Run the music. The power of the internet once again manifests itself or causes things to manifest or whatever. Tim Ferriss is here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, man. And uh, a much requested uh, man on um, the internet because uh, a lot of people really enjoy your work. And you got some uh, some fascinating theories and uh, some uh, you've you've obviously spent a lot of time breaking things down and analyzing things and you know. People really love that. They love when someone does the hard work. You Trying know, to harness someone... my OCD for something useful. Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't think it's it's uh, diagnosed, but I'm glad certainly when I was a kid, the ADHD didn't have a prescription All associated right. or a label with it because I would have been thrown straight into a I would have small as well. cage. Yeah. I would have as well, for sure. But here's the thing, man. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you at all. Why is it that people want to medicate someone for being unusual or exceptional? Yeah. Or, or energetic, or someone who can't sit and do boring shit. They they, they resist yeah. the machine, so we tell them they're sick. Yeah. You know, because if you'll sit in some boring, monotonous class about some fucking subject you don't really give a shit about, your instincts as a five-year-old kid or a six-year-old kid is to run out of the room. Yeah. Or even 15, or whatever the fuck. Even now. That's normal. That's like, you don't want to be around shit that's not stimulating. But we're like, there's something wrong with you if you don't submit to the hive. Yeah. There's something wrong with you. Oh, you can't. What do you want to write your own books? No, 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 no. You got to memorize all the shit that we wrote. We don't want you coming up with music. We don't want you figuring out movies or cartoons or starting your own comic book. You can't call a guy who writes books like you do. You can't say you have OCD, dude. You don't yeah. got a disease. No, no, not at all. Yeah, no neither way. does one of my friends. I remember in, uh, I think it was third grade, he was one of the smarter kids in the class and he got bored out of his mind, so he took a fork. Walked over to the side of the room. The teacher was on the blackboard, and he goes, I am the master of the universe. And he stabbed the fork into the electric outlet and Whoa. shot across wow. the room. Whoa. But, so he was immediately you know, dispelled from the class for a period of time. But he was one of the smarter kids in the class. It was just boring. Oh, my and, uh, God. And, you know, the class can only move as, as quickly as the slowest kid. And he was bored. I've done that with before. I took a wire to the top outlet, and I wanted to Jesus. transfer the power from the top outlet to the bottom oh outlet. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, why? I want to see if I could do this. And I yeah. did it and just blew up, flew across the room. That's that what they use for cooking hot more. dogs at science fairs. <laughs> <laughs> explains a little bit more about Brian, ladies and gentlemen. We found another link. We found another little piece of evidence, the missing puzzle. Yeah, man, school is boring as fuck. That's a big problem, a big problem that's not addressed because we figure, well, fuck it, I got out of it. They can get out of it, too. I went through all that boring yeah. shit. You go through all that boring shit, too. But it is the worst way to inform the mind ever. Yeah. Just make it so it sucks and it's boring and you have to get up early when you're tired and be around some uninspired fucks that are getting paid pennies to teach you this nonsense. I slept Fuck. through, I, I honestly can say, I slept through at least 80 to 90% of all of my school high school <laughs> years. Like, I, my dad gave me this camel cigarette hat that back in the day you were allowed to wear cigarette hats to Your school. Your dad and stuff. gave you a cigarette? Yeah, he's like, some guy at work gave this to me. Do you want this? He, my dad doesn't smoke. And so I was like, okay. And so I wore Did my whole. Did he know that you smoked? No, it was before I smoked, he gave it to me. Like, I wore it my whole four years of high school. It was kind of cool, but because no one had cigarette hats, I guess. Right. But uh, I found the way it folded perfectly. Where like if I st uh, sat like like the right way, it looks like I was looking at my book. And so I 
I mastered all through high school. And, but the problem is now I'm trying to learn things that I should have learned already, like the Holocaust and like the Civil War and Khan stuff. Khan like Academy. That. Have you seen Khan Academy? No. K H A N Academy. It's astonishing. This uh, gentleman who decided he wanted to teach his kids, I think it was remotely, about calculus or something like that to help them with their schooling, and then he ended up blowing it out for the entire world, and now it has Gates support. And what some of these charter schools, the most successful charter schools are doing, is they're actually taking the lecture piece of school, which puts kids to sleep, they're assigning that as homework, and then when the kids come in, they focus on projects and experiments and actually putting what they heard and learned into practice. Pretty oh, cool. That makes sense. That, yeah. that seems like a, a lot better approach than uh, just sitting there with a monotone voice pointing at chalkboards and going yeah. through huge books and looking at stupid pictures. Nowadays, I think I would be pretty good at school because it would be interactive with like iPads and stuff like that. I think that that's probably a lot better than it was when we went to high school. Why well, do you think they use iPads in classrooms? Yeah, a lot of schools school? are. Your lot of schools you're given iPads. Really? Yeah, nowadays. Really? Pretty, pretty yeah. wild stuff. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You remember when you, had, you used to get a movie in like science class? And you were so excited. Fuck yeah, a movie, man! This is going to be good. <laughs> like a, you're going to like, yeah. I'm going to get some pleasure out of this, as that opposed a, to this yeah. normal nonsense with this asshole just droning on. It was also like sex ed when no one was comfortable enough to present the material. They'd be like, all right, now we're going to watch some like breaches. I don't think we had <laughs> sex ed. I don't think I ever had sex ed. I, I don't think I did in Massachusetts. I don't I don't believe they taught us sex ed. I really don't. I don't remember movie. a they goddamn thing. They didn't show that projector movie of like uh, your body, the penis is good against the chin. Maybe they did, and I blocked it out. But I don't remember out of my four years of Newton South High School. I don't remember anybody telling me anything about sex. Not a fucking peep. It was just nonsense. Just droning on. Become a part of the machine. <laughs> Submit. You are a round peg. You are not a square peg. I also remember a lot of school was watching movies, and they were all made by Disney. Do you remember that? Like they would like, and now the Natural Forest, sponsored yeah. by oh, Disney. Yeah. You know, like absolutely. It just, and it was like, wait, did Disney raise me back then too? Like, if you raise kids with fascinating documentaries, you would they would learn so much more. I've learned so much more from documentaries. As long as it's verifiable, if it's like a legit documentary, you can get a little crazy and find some documentaries on on worms, those flying worms in the air. If you're a fucking... That is one of the greatest things ever. Do you know about this? No. There was a guy who was absolutely convinced that there was these things. He called them rods. And they were flying around us too fast for us to see. And that you could only capture these things on videotape. That the human eye was incapable of registering because they were going so fast. And that they looked like almost like jellyfish with winged appendages. This guy spent years and years on this shit. And made documentaries about it. And had a website dedicated to it. And then Monster Quest found out that these things were just video artifacts when bugs flew too close to the lens. <laughs> so this guy, his whole life, he had dedicated to a video artifact. Oh, God. And he thought there was these flying, tubular, like fluorescent-looking, or not fluorescent, but uh, the uh, translucent-looking uh, things flying through Imagine the Imagine the stress and like obligation to society this guy felt only to find it's out that crazy. it's a video artifact. He thought they were aliens. They were flying around us. We just, we just can't recognize Register them. 
It's like those flares and pictures that people think are ghosts. You know, there's obvious yeah. proof what they are, but yet people yeah. are still like, no, 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 it's my spirit. How fascinating was Pinchbeck saying that ghosts were real? I like, didn't get convinced. raped. I didn't get raped, by the way. I wanted to put that on record. You I did not. I offered the ghost to rape my ass oh, all night. You're talking no, about yeah, your ghost story. Yeah, no ghost raped me that night. We had so. a guy on that. Yeah, the other day was absolutely convinced that ghosts were real. He's so smart. No, every other way, and I'm like, wow, ghosts really? Like ghost stories? There is some weird stuff out there, though. Uh, like, meaning, one of the reasons I ended up going to uh, Princeton undergrad, but one of the reasons I wanted to go, which I didn't tell people because I thought they'd make fun of me, was because of a lab called the Scientific Anomalies Laboratory. I'm not making this up. And they had statisticians, mathematicians looking at stuff like... Like Bigfoot? Remote, not Bigfoot. Uh, they remote had a viewing? huge... Yeah, remote viewing. Exactly. So they looked at remote viewing really closely. And uh, Professor John, who ran this entire... Uh, research lab gave his wrap-up speech before they closed like the year I landed at school and he was talking about for example with the remote viewing for people who don't know what it is you have a transmitter uh, who goes out with a field team then you have a receiver in a room with a pad of paper and a recorder the job of the transmitter they, they, they choose one of five envelopes they get GPS coordinates they go to that location and then they take the imagery and they transmit it to the person who's supposed to be the receiver and what they found with one location, uh, as an example, the drawings came back very consistent with the best receivers, but they were at a gas station. It wasn't, a, I think it was a gas station. It wasn't a gas station in the picture, and they couldn't identify what it was, and it ended up being barracks that had been destroyed like 120 years ago, something like that. Pretty wild shit. Um, the, and it was an accurate depiction of these things? The drawings were cons consistent, and it was an accurate depiction. Uh, Doesn't the, the government employ a bunch of people to... I listen to Art Bell, Coast to Coast AM. Art That's where Bell. I get my information. But I've, I've heard on several occasions that the government has employed people to, to be remote viewers. And oh, yeah. They go For and, submarines in particular, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, the, so there's, there's something to it. There's like Start Off International, a bunch of research institutes that have been funded by the government for that particular purpose. And uh, I think that... The, the math is compelling. I mean, the data are compelling. So you look at, for example, right. they had this huge, it looked like a pachinko machine. I saw it in person. So if you, if you see these Japanese pinball machines, they're vertical and they have these pins. And then these small steel balls bounce down. You have to get them in somewhere. Big <laughs> and, uh, and this thing is about 10 feet high, maybe 5 feet wide. And the objective of the person who was the subject was simply to get the balls to deviate to the left or right-hand column. That's all you had to do. And so they ran thousands and thousands and thousands of trials looking at what is an effect telekinesis. And they were able to show uh, that, you know, with a, a, a p-value, a significance value, that was very compelling. Like, there's no way, there's almost no way you can attribute this to chance if you, if you crunch all the data. Pretty wild stuff, but doesn't mean I can move stuff around my eyes. Right. Well, if we, you know, we, we actually talked about this very recently, that the idea of um, being able to watch something and that the observer actually changes yeah. the, the, the particles, changes mm -hmm. subatomic particles and changes the way they interact with their environment. If, that's, if, that, if that's happening on some level somewhere on a very small level, it must be an ethic that permeates through the whole thing. Yeah. We probably just are slowly evolving and developing this ability to ultimately alter everything around us yeah we just right now we're in this you know fishy arm leg crawling out of the water stage yeah. you know we're just like those freaky things that made their way out of the ocean and became land animals yeah i think that there's yeah there's a lot of evolution left i think the physical side obviously gets sort of cut off once you have all the the creature comforts and maslow's hierarchy handled then you don't have to breed for physical fitness necessarily but 
think certainly with toxins and whatnot, like that's going to force people to evolve. Environmental toxins and yeah. estrogen, or, uh, endocrine disruptors and all that. They're going to figure out a way to do everything that you and I do in the gym in a fucking shot. Yeah. You know, it's going to be real simple. It's yeah. going to be, we're just going to program your body to operate at this <laughs> level. You don't need to go to the gym. You don't need to do anything. Yeah. And you're going to walk around looking like Aquaman. Oh, sure. You know? That's oh, what's yeah. going to happen. Or like, we're gonna, uh, they're going to laugh at people that lift weights. Like, you're, why, you fucking dummy? Yeah. Why didn't you just take the shot? Just go take a shot. I've seen some pretty wild stuff with uh, gene therapy in the course of doing the four-hour body and meeting with all these athletes. I mean, I've, I've written about, you know, how I've used uh, GH and anabolics and different things post-surgery, among other times but the most fascinating thing i saw which i think is probably the most dangerous also is uh, interleukin and gene therapy i know one guy i won't mention him this is actually an mma fighter ended up going to china to have gene therapy performed and used interleukin therapy gained almost 40 pounds of muscle in one month and that was with no change to his training or diet gene therapy so what they do is they'll take let's say 40 pounds of muscle in a yeah, month yeah how does his heart not explode right yeah how well, does yeah, his heart all of a yeah. sudden working for 30, 40 extra pounds no exactly so there are a lot of risks involved of course he's also taking things like gh uh igf1 etc vitamin d, uh, vitamin d. <laughs> but the uh What's fascinating about the gene therapy, and you can also use like vector-based viruses to increase uh, muscle synthesis in specific areas of the body. So the, the hope is, of course, that that doesn't then malfunction and lead your heart or intestines to hypertrophy, because then you end up right. looking like some of these pro bodybuilders who are like With six that crazy months pregnant. Gut? Yeah. Oh. Whoa, that's so weird. Yeah. Just a like word to the wise: if you're going to use uh, something like GH, then there's there are definitely places to do that. Uh, you know, watch the dosages because if you have organ growth that's not going to reverse as muscular growth or hypertrophy would. Uh, but, you know, after my uh, reconstructive shoulder surgery, I used uh, high-frequency, low-dose uh, growth hormones twice a day, six days a week, and would absolutely do it again in a heartbeat. Absolutely. You know, no reservations whatsoever. But, yeah, I mean... That's just step one. Yeah. What, what this is is it's it's genetic manipulation at a very base level. Yeah. It's like we're just adding chemicals that don't, they don't make any chemicals anymore. Hmm, let's add them. We yeah. make our own, and then we squirt them yeah. in there. Yeah. And then the glands don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, yeah. why is there this? That's why dudes, like in MMA fighters, there's several different occurrences of this where guys are very young and they have to get on testosterone. Yeah. And uh, it could be a natural issue. It could be, uh, you know, something happened to them when they were young and, you know, their, their testicles never fully developed. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. it could be that they took steroids and yeah. they shocked the fucking shit out of their yeah. system to the point where your balls shut down. Yeah. That happens to dudes. Oh, and it's, very, it's pretty common, man. Yeah. yeah. You know? Super common, especially if you're doing a black market and you don't have yeah. proper post-cycle therapy and you don't know how to use let's say a clomid or one of these right you don't know what the fuck you're doing and you, and you don't go to a doctor you don't go to a doctor you don't know your done. blood yeah. levels and then you stop cold turkey yeah it's like stupid it's stupid and, it's stupid. and you see a lot of incidences also where it appears that uh, testosterone the molecule of testosterone binds with uh, let's say in some cases dopamine receptors so when people take antidepressants also serotonin is involved uh, antidepressants plus testosterone really can be a really nasty combo. Whoa, really? Uh, yeah, so you see these cases of, let's say, supposed roid rage or people committing suicide, they blame it on anabolics. And it's actually the combination of, let's say, an anti-anxiety or antidepressive with the anabolics. I know guys who are on both. It's dangerous. Yeah, because... And they're dangerous guys, too. Yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I'm not dangerous. <laughs> Brian's been on the juice for a couple of months now. I'm trying to turn him into a man. I take him to the squat rack every day after the show. Oh, God. It makes my vagina hard. Yeah, like a rock. <laughs>
fucking shows in the toilet. Just started. Um, the uh, genetic manipulation that we're doing, though, with adding t testosterone or adding estrogen or adding anything is yeah. nothing compared to what it's going to be like when they figure that shit out at a genetic level, when they know oh, how yeah. to engineer the body. Yeah. You know, and they figure out how to make your cells literally become 20-year-old cells. They, they, yeah. they bring your whole body to a state of where it was when you were at your peak of youth. That's so possible, man. Oh, yeah. They're so close to that. They're within a, a, a lifetime. In our lifetime, by the time we you know, grow old and die, they're going to have figured out a way that no one grows old I think they're within 10 years of figuring a lot of that out. So crazy. Yeah. You're going to have like old ladies that all of a sudden become hot again. Do you, you know imagine? how badass that would be? Like that chick if last there was night? This, yeah, if there was this... Oh, Jesus. Don't be mean. Don't be mean, Brian. She's fucking Yeah, she was. You're right. You're right. Good. Be, be nice. What you, uh, I know what you're talking about. No. If you... Like, there was an old lady, and she lived on your block, and she was all hunched over and shit, and then over the course of, like, a couple of months, all of a sudden, her posture came back. Pop, 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 pop. Her ass started sticking out, and she started turning into a young woman again. She was a 50-year-old kind of semi-hot lady. And then all of a sudden, the next couple of weeks, she's a 40-year-old hot lady. And you're like, what the it, fuck is going on? It would be fine if it fixed everything. But <laughs> next thing you know, would... she's this 80-year-old uh, mind, but with this hot 20-year-old uh, body. That would like, be awesome. Motherfucker. Having marriages awesome. threatened from both us ends of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> My husband left me for an 80-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> an 80-year-old immortal. If it made the vagina and everything grow back to young age, it would be perfect. And like a Right, body. Well, the whole body. It wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, just leave the vagina out. Or teeth. We got like, good news yeah, and bad news. Yeah, right. The good say, news like, is teeth? you could be 20 again. The bad news is your vagina has to stay 90. <laughs> yeah, but would it do teeth? Would it do teeth? Would it do like Well, the idea is it would do your whole syndrome? body. Is she going to be a hot chick that's pooping all the time because she can't control her poop? Why? Like, is it going to do everything? Well, yeah. Well, if, you, if it does your whole body, it makes your whole body younger. Yeah. Whatever issues you have that are age-related will go away because you won't have hormonal deficiencies anymore. You, you know what would be funny, though, is if like she still liked hard candy. Indian pie, and that's you know she was a hot young chick, but she liked like old rhubarb pies, and you're like, well, what you is that? Them. I like rhubarb pie, but is that all what right, old well, people like? creepy food then, like what mashed up carrots. Like she says, I just love mashed up carrots with mm. my vitamins, you know. Like she had all the behaviors mind. of an eight year old. Yeah, yeah I wonder if <laughs> she was super hot, but rhubarb. still using a walker with the tennis balls <laughs> right. on the front. Still like to watch more when you bitch. when you see people that are cranky and old, old shitty people. Like the reason most of them that are like that is because their life is miserable. Their body feels like shit. It's falling apart. Every day is just, get the fuck off my lawn. You know? But if you all of a sudden gave them gene therapy and their body became 20, I wonder if their behavior would revert to a 20-year-old behavior again. Yeah. Just, you know, obviously a little more experience, but... Yeah, you would, right? You yeah, wouldn't but, be but that like would be your like almost people. erasing memories then. Why? Because it's you're you're it's it, you're saying that you're getting younger, so it's going you're going to act younger. That's meaning like you're just forgetting that you're not old. No, no, anymore, no. You, you would know? still have experience. You'd yeah. still have life experience, but you would have you'd be a lot of what people do. They fucking woo. A lot of that is just extra energy that you have. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of dumb shit that young people do is just they're all charged up with life. You know, they're charged up with life and all day long. They're either stuck behind a desk or some unnatural thing for their body. And then when they get out at night, they want to fuck. Woo! That it's just, it's like, you know, it's firing it off. As you get older, you have less and less of that shit. You know, the only time you see like a 50 year old guy going, woo! Is like when he's just about to get arrested. <laughs> You know, he has to be so drunk, he's already punched he's somebody. He's at the do you know yeah. who I am stage when they're dragging <laughs> him out. You yeah. motherfucker, you know who my cousin is? 
Yeah, there's, you know, that's, that's, that's your life energy. You know, it's not just being clueless. There's also this bursting yeah. inferno of shit inside you because you're 20 years old and your body's alive. I, I think you know? with the uh, with the reversal of some of the symptoms of aging, like looking at telomeres and all that stuff, I think a lot of it will be combined with regenerative medicine. So I know some guys who are printing. I mean, I've seen them print heart cells and, and lung cells and so forth. So my, my theory is that if you can keep your neural your neurological functioning um, and and at, at a high level and mitigate stuff like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, et cetera, that you'll ultimately be able to get a replacement for just about anything else. So the simplest uh, the simplest approach, and this has been looked at for a decade or more, is creatine monohydrate, actually, five grams a day for, really? for staving off Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Creatine? There are clinical studies. You can go on Pub, uh, PubMed or Medline and look Whoa. them up. They've done a lot of research. How much? What is the dosage? Very low, like five grams. You can get crealcoin wow. creatine to prevent the water retention. So I had read something. Creatine, you know, like people would always say that it makes you gain water and, mm -hmm. and, and people would say that it's not good for your liver. But then I read online, there's no evidence that it's not good for your liver. There's yeah. no evidence that it's bad for you. I'm like, well, where'd that come from? Where'd the, the rumor come from? Is that yeah. the pharmaceutical companies or something? Like, what no, is that? I think it started with... Uh, Wives' tales? Uh, it started with a few things. I think the first is that if you have a preconditioning kidney problem... So it's a kidney issue? Yeah, but then here's what happens is then people substitute, let's say at one point in a forum or a thread, liver, and so you hear about the liver a lot, but it's actually not affected. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, with the creatine, uh, as long as you don't have renal insufficiency or some really major kidney issue... I really, it's one of the most innocuous supplements you could take see, from I, my perspective. I, I really see, don't think it will cause much problem. I used to take that shit before Google. That's the problem. Took it before Google. Oh, I thought <laughs> right. it actually was bad for you. People are like, dude, dude, that fucking creatine's bad for your liver. This is like, I'm like, oh, it is? Is shit. this something you could just oh, I know, buy? I know. It's before yeah, yeah. you could do any fact checking. Creatine is oh, like, it makes GNC. you gain weight. Yeah. I gained a lot of weight. I gained like five pounds of muscle using yeah. this stuff. It, it really does make you gain weight. Yeah. Because it's it makes your, somehow or another your body retains more water, and your cells are mostly water. Yeah. So it just makes your cells bigger. You actually get physically Sodium larger. Sodium cocksucker. Sodium cocksucker. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you? You were talking about... Uh, Telomeres. Oh, uh, what is the telomeres? Telomeres. Yeah. You, do you know about TA sixty five? Yeah. I've, is that bullshit? What is it's, that? It's it's not necessarily bullshit. I just don't think it. Explain to people what it is. So yeah, TA sixty five is an approach to elongating or protecting the deterioration of the caps of telomeres. So this is related to sort of chromosomal aging, and TA sixty five is it's expensive. I don't know what the prices are now, but it's it's an approach that is supposed to be at least in rodents. They've demonstrated it able to uh, extend the functional lifespan of your telomeres. Like that's a good way. If you look at telomeres and how they they slowly uh, shorten over time, you could almost think of it like rings on a tree, right? So just in the opposite direction. Like the shorter your telomeres are, the closer you are to your endpoint. Uh, TA65. My feeling is there there hasn't been enough wide scale testing that I would feel comfortable using it myself. I'm exceptionally comfortable. Uh, let's say using moderate, you know, responsible use of anabolics of different types, depending on your thyroid, potentially thyroid, and then uh, combining that with creatine and a few other things. But uh, personally, I would not use TA65 at this point. Uh, I've, I've don't know. I know one guy who used it, but I only know him online. And uh, well, I know him in real life, but his uh, bad Bobby. His uh, dad started using it, and mm -hmm. his dad started getting really good results with it. Yeah. 
Like, so he stopped using it. He just tried it. He said he didn't feel like it was doing anything for him. But his dad, yeah. apparently, who's, you know, an older guy, yeah. it's like it's helping him see better. I have a buddy who's, uh, who's using it, and he's a you know, CEO in, in Silicon Valley, and he said that he's noticed gray hair turning black again and things like that. Whoa. Now, right, yeah, right? But Does he have a crystal on his neck? No, no. This is, <laughs> a, this, is, this, is, this is an engineer type. He's, yeah. he's no BS. Uh, but for me, I'm happy to wait. Like, if this stuff works as people say it works, well, if I wait three years, it doesn't matter. Right, yeah. right, <laughs> like, right. Good point. I'll let Good those point. beta testers, you know, grow <laughs> fucking horns or whatever. And then I'll right. be like, yeah, yeah, they didn't tell you about the horns, Turn did they? into chimpanzees. TS-65 is interesting, though. I mean, what's also interesting is lobsters. People look at lobsters to study life extension because they don't exhibit any of the normal signs of aging. So people, there are people who believe that they would live for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years if they weren't caught and killed really uh, yeah so lobster what is the are, oldest one we've ever observed uh, i don't know it's a good question i don't we know we should all start taking lobster oil or something <laughs> lobster right? that's the next Lobsters thing lobster oil delicious i remember being high <laughs> as fuck once at morton's you know at morton's steakhouse they walk by with the cart and they show you this is the prime you know usda sirloin cut and you know you can have it with this and that and then he holds up the lobster and the lobster's moving, and I'm barbecued. I'm sitting there with Eddie Bravo, and we're both going, look at that motherfucker. Look at that alien thing that he's holding up. Yeah. Like, how does that fucking soulless, emotionless creature, that giant bug that lives yeah. in the ocean, They're and he's looking. holding on to yeah. it. Can you imagine, even need to Can you imagine the water. first guy who's like, I'm going to eat this. Yeah. Like the first guy who pulls that up in front of the villagers, he's like, yeah, yeah you guys, I've had enough to drink. I'm going to eat this. That's a bold motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of documentaries, I'd be curious. Do you have any particular top top favorites? Wow, all time favorites. Yeah. The corporation was one of my all time. I've heard favorites. this is good. That's uh, a haven't disturbing seen it. Disturbing fucking documentary. Uh, Enron, the smartest guys That's in the room. That's a good. Doc. That was a really burn, good burn, motherfucker, burn when California is going down. Unbelievable. <laughs> God, who yeah. wasn't there is pretty good. Yeah, that's oh, a good one. Food Incorporated. Too. Food, Food Incorporated is very seen, disturbing. Uh, Man on Wire? No, I haven't seen that oh, one. Uh, That's about the tightrope walker, yeah, right? About the yes, guys who, get, who, who sneak into the World Trade Center and then tightrope walk across to the other yes. tower, like between the, oh, there's the, yeah, the, the two towers. Oh, my God. Actually. Did he really? Yeah. And he yeah. made it? Yeah, they've, they have video. It's awesome. Jesus. Really. That hurts my dick just sitting here <laughs> thinking about it. Oh, yeah. He not only walked across it, he stayed up there for like 30 minutes or something. Oh he actually laid down God. on the wire, then stood back up. Oh, my stuff. God. Yeah. That was hard to watch. That was the yeah, hard yeah. to watch. How much did these fucking guys have? The limits of human like physicality. Yeah. We we really truly don't. You know, we don't. No one is. No one has really sort of uh, actualized the, the 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 full potential of all the human athletic abilities, like gymnastics and basketball and track and field and fighting and you know. Oh, yeah. Eventually, you know, will people live long enough so one person could be like a master at all sports and all games yeah. and all things? All physical? starts with life extension. You know? That's why a lot of the. The sort of singularity-focused or just life extension-focused uh, tech CEOs, guys who've made hundreds of millions of dollars, they're pouring it into these startups they think will be able to make them live forever because that's what they see as their rate-limiting step for all learning all this stuff. Well, made. yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, if you could live to be a 1,000 years old, how many languages would you learn? How many books would you read? How many things would you be into? How many things would you, you know, I mean, I don't believe you ever truly master anything. You know, you, you, you get, you master a certain level of proficiency, but there's always levels. There's yeah. always levels above. Yeah. There's always more to learn. 
but how amazing would it be to be able to accumulate a thousand years worth of information? Yeah. But then again, maybe you just waste your time spinning your wheels here in this stupid dimension, you know, and that once we pop through to the next thing, we're like, yeah. why would we waste any of our fucking time? You were just playing with blocks in yeah. kindergarten. Just constrained by the monkey ego tied into this fucking caveman body. You know, <laughs> living with all these other savages shooting missiles at each other. Oh, you know, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's really what's going on. They yeah. will, for sure, one day, thousands of years from now, the way we study Sumer and we study Mesopotamia and we see the the pictures of the carriages and how they rode into battle with fucking p st sticks with big pieces of metal on the end of the sticks and how we go, look at these fucking retards. <laughs> we they're gonna look at us like that too, for sure, hundred oh, yeah. percent, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, no doubt about it. It's impossible to avoid yeah I don't think we're uh, I don't know man do you wonder what's gonna happen between all this stuff like because the life extension if you if, if it actually becomes something mainstream and, and popular well what the fuck man no one's yeah. gonna die and there's gonna be way too many of us almost immediately I think we'll have a pandemic in the next three years do you think so really yeah I, I think that whether it's whether it is how do you naturally, come up with three years uh, I just I just, think that if you look at the population density and the uh, the technological capabilities and the cost of biotech. So I had, for example, I had a uh, friend of mine. He's, he runs a publicly traded biotech company. He said, I have 100 of the best scientists in the world. If we wanted to end the world, like we could do it. Absolutely. It's like, give us six months. Jesus we could en Christ. We could engineer a, you know, a virus containing A, B, and C that would be communicable just like the common cold. We'd seed it in three or four metropolitan areas. End of story. He had and a great idea. What if you infuse the common cold with LSD? <laughs> so that as people, yeah. as people, was that your idea or Duncan's? I think it was Duncan. Duncan's idea? Yeah. So that as you get the cold, you also trip your fucking balls off. <laughs> and you could literally yeah, yeah. get a whole state sick with LSD. <laughs> well, you'd Is have that to, possible? Well, you'd have to find something that was either replicable by virus or by bacteria. Uh, I'm sure there's something out there. Like Maybe it's something naturally occurring, like 5-MeO-DMT uh, or something like that, as the opposed thing, to, you know, lysergic... Uh, right. it's Starbucks, I mean, that's all it's going to be. Yeah. Well, the thing I would think about, well, the reason why acid would be a good one is because it's so small. So you need yeah. such a small amount of it to affect yeah. you. Yeah. You, know? you, you could do it. I think that uh, you do need a very small amount. If you, if you were using, let's say, 5-MeO-DMT, I'd say you could get away with as little as 2 milligrams. Uh, and particularly if it self-replicates. So let's say the virus is tiny itself, but then it builds up to an active dose by replication in your body. Oh, then you just need the very like the the cedar, the cedar to start. Five meo DMT is a crazy thing to get people sick with though, because in acid, when when you have acid, you know, as far as I understand, you're still sort of there. Mm -hmm. The the big thing about the five meo DMT experience is you don't you don't exist anymore. It's like a you near death stop experience. Stop being there. Yeah, yeah. You go to some other place. You 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 like you feel like your consciousness leaves your body and enters into some other place. So you wouldn't be paying attention to your body at all, which is really dangerous to get people sick that way. Oh yeah. People, <laughs> if you engineered yeah. that, you engineered some sort of a cold that gets people to just drop to the ground and DMT trips. That's just rude. Yeah. Right. That's that's. Well, I guess it depends on what your objectives are for seeding a state with LSD. Enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it sounds that. ridiculous because most oh. people use it for recreational purposes, but I think any sort of a, a, a mass 
ego erasing experience yeah. like that could only help people. Look, September 11th was a terrible thing that that, that happened. It was it was horrible. I knew people that that knew people that died there. I knew people. I've talked to people that saw bodies hit in the ground. Renazizi was in that building. But what it what it did do, and it was really strange, was made everybody really nice for a while. Yeah. Everybody was really like friendly yeah. and neighborly, and there was a real sense in New York of everybody. It being together in a way that I never felt there before. Yeah. It was always New York was always like, "Don't look at me, fuck you, out of my way." There was always this this thing that happens when you have this uh, the diffusion of responsibility because the population numbers are so yeah. high. It just you get this non non feeling and friendly environment. You know, it's impossible to interact with everyone, so you just fucking put your blinders on. You you press ahead, but that that terrible experience was ego dissolving yeah. in a lot of ways, and it humbled a lot of people, and it made people appreciate life and it made people appreciate all the all the, the people around them and it was a fucking terrible terrible tragedy but what a beautiful time I had right after that tragedy in New York. I, was like, yeah. I remember I was there like a few months later. I was like, wow, everybody's so cool. I hope this sticks. That's all I remember thinking. Like, I hope this sticks, man. I hope people realize, you know, we should all be like this. We should all be like brothers and sisters and friendly to each other. And firefighters should get laid. There should be chicks that are fucking trying to blow firefighters. They're all fired up, you know? Because for a while, firefighters were fucking rock stars in New York. Yeah. And then eventually just fucking died off and you got a few fucking older firefighters with young guy haircuts who talk about the glory days of September 11. You know, they're like 50 now. But bro, I was 40. I was just divorced. Okay? <laughs> I'm just walking around everywhere I go with my fire hat on. I didn't even bother taking it off. They're just diving on my dick, yo. It was... Did they have a 9-11 firefighter calendar, like a sexy calendar? Like a, They must have. They, they must had have. to, right? Yeah, they must have. They had to have, yeah. right? The gay community capitalizes on things like that. <laughs> this is Tony over at Unit 14. Yeah. The the, the ego dissolving, though, is, is important. And yeah, I think, it's huge. I think you can, well, you know this, but you can definitely engineer it. Uh, I've, I've always, uh, well, once a year I do high-dose uh, mushrooms, psilocybin, as a reset. Uh, it's around my birthday at home with two or three of my closest friends. We all ha always have a sitter. We always have somebody who's smoking pot or otherwise semi-coherent to watch people. Make sure they can handle their weed, too. You know why yeah, anybody yeah, just smoking yeah, you, pot by no, themselves no, no, is you, freaking you, out. You need a veteran, yeah, no paranoia. Yeah. And uh, But that reset really, I think, strips away the superficial layers of manufactured need and so forth and allows you to look at... Problems that are very easy to, easy to overcomplicate when you intellectualize things or rationalize. So you accept whether it is a bad relationship or whatever it might be. And the afterglow effect that I've felt uh, after each of these resets, and each one has been transformative in, its, in solving one or two major problems in my life, is there's this afterglow effect, uh, afterglow effect of, of supreme clarity in terms of your priorities and values for a few months for me. It really lasts a long time. I mean, I'm taking serious quantities, but... How many grams? Uh, uh, I don't know the grams. I've done it sort of eyeball portioning, but I would say like a half a gallon. Uh, let's see what Ziploc bags like a gallon's that, right? Like half of that. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking so, shrooms, or are you getting really bad shrooms? <laughs> uh, probably a combination of two, but I mean, it's, it's time travel. You're well, not, how many, you don't function properly. How many, what do you wow. think the weight of that is? 
You, oh, that I sounds. Really don't know. That sounds like uh, a half ounce. Or yeah, I mean, a friend like of mine. A friend of mine uh, used to used to grow really extensively. So we've never actually. I've never seen him weigh anything. I've just started with wow. visual. They always portions. tell you you should weigh it. You should weigh yeah. it so you know what you're doing. I accidentally yeah. took uh, I think six or seven grams recently, and it was the closest to death that I've ever yeah. felt on mushrooms. It was to the point where it felt like I was poisoned almost, yeah. where I was how, puking up. How much do you fuck with the isolation tank? I have never been in an isolation tank. I've been dying to do it. I actually had uh, Charlie, who works with me, um, find locations in San Francisco. And this was a few months ago. And then I had to take off for travel and wasn't able to do it. But I've been dying to do isolation tanks for a long time. And uh, wanted to have also, I wanted to do it extremely clear in terms of sobriety. And then I wanted to try. Uh, something with visual hallucinations in the isolation tank to see. Yeah, get comfortable with the tank experience first. Go yeah. sober for sure. I always tell everybody if you can, go sober. Unless you're a marijuana Jedi. Yeah. Unless you're just one of those dudes that gets high and does everything. And I'm like, go ahead, go in there, get in there. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. But if you're just like a regular dude who works a regular job and doesn't get high all day, every day, yeah. go sober, I always say. And then when, when you do it, you got to get comfortable with the experience to get good at it. Yeah. And by get good at it, there's certain things in life that take a while to get used to, like jujitsu, for example. Yeah. You know, you're fucking getting in there and and wrestling full blast with other grown men. You're sweating in each other's eyes. Dudes will be on top of you, and their armpit sweat will drip in your face. And you just deal with that because that's yeah. a part of jujitsu. And it's yeah. one of those things where once you've been doing jujitsu for ten years, when you get on the mat and you just you know you tap hands with people and you start sparring, it's a normal thing because you're yeah. so used to this weird fucked up experience. You put yourself in this sort of zen state even though this is a bizarre experience for most people yeah. well the tank in, in in that it's so alien that this 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 time where your body doesn't move at all is so bizarre to you like yeah. we're we're constantly shifting our weight even when we sleep we're moving around we're reacting to gravity we're reacting to the pillow on our neck you know you're always there's there's input that's coming in it's the only time where there's no input and yeah. it's so hard to just manage that yeah. It's so hard to just relax because you'll start coming up with fake things like my dick itches. Fuck, should I itch my dick? <laughs> and you'll start thinking like I could just itch my dick, but then I'm going to get salty water on my dick and then it's going to itch some more. And it takes a long time. It takes a bunch of different uses till you get to where, like when I go in that thing, that's my home, man. I'm so used to yeah. that thing. I close that door. I lie back and I go, let's find out what's up. Let's yeah. find out what's up. Let's see what's up. And I never go in sober anymore. I'm always blitzed. When I get in there, because I just feel like marijuana, um, especially high doses, make you very, very sensitive, very sensitive. And it makes you very uh, you, you, you contemplate things you might not have contemplated. My mind is always racing in a million different directions, thinking about things. And there's nothing like the isolation tank to enhance that. Because yeah. when you have nothing coming into your, to your mind from the body, the body is sending no signals. Like all of a sudden you have radio silence and the mind is on its own. The mind without any sensory input is fucking super powered, man, in a way that it's very difficult to describe because nobody ever experiences it. It's yeah. the only environment like that in the world where there's nothing coming in. And it is beyond bizarre to me that more people aren't aware of this fucking thing. I mean, I I've been talking about it for years. We put videos up about it and people come to me about it and they ask me like, dude, tell me about the isolation tag. I'm like, how could I possibly be an expert right. in this fucking thing? All right. All I am is just some dude who 
has one who uses it. How are there not scientists that are studying the benefits of this shit and pushing it to everyone as stress relief, as a, a clarity device, as a, a device for objective reasoning and thinking and creativity? Every artist should have one. Every athlete should have one. Every fighter should have one. Anybody where you need deep, intense thought without distraction, you don't even fucking know what that is until you get in that isolation yeah. tank. You got to get in there. That's too. what I've been pestering the shit out of you to, to see it. I've never yeah. actually even seen one. You've never seen one. Well, no. mine's different yeah, yeah. than anyone you've ever seen because right. mine's a, a custom-made one by Float Labs. There's one company in Venice that makes the very right. best in the world. They're floatlabs.com. No question about it. They make the best equipment. And the guy, Crash, who builds it is a, a freak. He's, a, he's the mad scientist of isolation tanks. He's actually come up with this new device. You would love this guy. He's right up your alley. I want to introduce you guys to each other because he's so fucking nuts. Super genius, brilliant, but nuts. And his, his latest thing is he's got this um, screen that he's developed for use above the isolation tank and f speakers that float in the water right next to your ears. So you center yourself in between these two speakers and then the, the screen emits so little light that you cannot see the edges. You cannot see anything except the image because you're in complete pitch blackness yeah. when you're in that tank. So anything you know is visual, anything is visible. So it's the, the, the lowest amount of light physically possible for these things. So literally the image is just floating in space in front of you with no other distractions and apparently you can learn like a motherfucker this way you retain an incredible amount of information you you have all these uh, the, the access to all this resources of your mind yeah. that are usually thinking about like man my ass is fucking uncomfortable and I, should i take my wallet out of my back pocket or yeah. these shoes suck and I, I got a hole in my sock all this information that keeps constantly coming into the mind about just social things and noises there's none of that in there yeah. there's none of that in there just this floating image so he's dedicated a considerable amount of time over the last three years he keeps talking to me about it i'm not interested in it because to me the, the what's the, what's fascinating about the isolation tank is the quiet and solitude yeah. and i want to go in i want yeah. i don't want to yeah. i don't want to see things right. i want to go in i want to i want to explore the mind i want to explore possible directions of consciousness whether or not you can control that shit you know how, how much of your, your your thought and how much of creativity you can control that's all i'm concerned with that's why I like to use the thing. But if you wanted to use it as an educational tool, it would be fucking incredible. It would be great. Have you played around with lucid dreaming at all? This is a, a very interesting subject because we just started selling this stuff called Alpha Brain. And what Alpha Brain is, it's a nootropic. And it's, it's basically a bunch of different naturally occurring chemicals, things from plants and what mm -hmm. have you, and synthesized things that are supposed to enhance cognitive function. Mm -hmm. So we put it out, and it makes me feel clearer. How much of that is a placebo effect? I'm more than willing to admit that I don't know because the placebo effect is an, a, oh, phen a phenomenal yeah. thing. And on top of it, it's, it's been proven that the placebo effect actually can work even on people who know it's a placebo. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's a very bizarre and misunderstood thing. But the dreams lead me in my objective analysis of it to say there's something very clear that's happening. Yeah. The dreams are much more vivid and they're lucid. 
I'm having lucid yeah. dreams all the time. And on top of that, I remember a good deal of them when I wake up, yeah. which is pretty rare. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm in the middle of dreams, and I just stop and I go, whoa, I'm in the middle of a dream now, and I'm not even close to waking up. Yeah. Like, this is weird, because a lot of times, I'd be in the middle of a dream, and I'd go, fucking, this is amazing. Oh, my God, I'm a dreaming. Oh, I'm awake. Yeah, you yeah, know? It's like you I right freak away. out that yeah. I'm dreaming, and I just, <laughs> I blow the illusion away. But with this stuff, for whatever reason, when I take this, these alpha brain pills, especially at night, yeah. I wake up while I'm having these lucid dreams, and I, I'm able to stay in the dream. I don't. They say it's choline. Do you know? Yeah. So that? It's, yeah. So the acetylcholine, the neurotransmitter, moder, uh, moderates a lot of this. And uh, I'm wondering if your product has huperzine A in it. Huperzine yes. A. Okay. So huperzine A is an acetylcholinesterase inhibitor. So the ACE. If you ever see that, grab you one. I'll show you what it is. Yeah. So the ACE, like acetylcholinesterase, is something that breaks down acetylcholine. So if it's an if it's a, an acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, it means that it allows acetylcholine to last longer. So it pretty and much stays awake longer. It's yeah, more it, active it increases, and I may get some of the technicalities wrong, but the half-life of acetylcholine. So huperzine A is uh, is, is is really fascinating. For Can you actually yeah, yeah, read there that it is. little? Yeah, sure. So this is... I can't read that shit at wow, all. Wow, yeah, this is challenging font. GPC choline. Uh, yeah, huperzia serrata. So that's the 0.5% huperzine A. That definitely will help. Vimpositine or vimpositine, also very cool. Uh, this I used to have this in the product that I used to make back in the day. Well, dude, take one of those and tell um, me what you think of it, because uh, I well, uh, Bacopa will light me up. Giving That'll it to my friends, and every single one of them has had positive experiences with it. I really do yeah, think Makuna, it makes my mind cool. seem clearer. If people are interested, we sell it at onit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com. We sold out of all of our orders in like the first couple of weeks of uh, of August. It was it took cool. a, we we sort of underestimated the amount of. Uh, of demand for this stuff, but it works. I swear it works. I, I shit you not. I wouldn't be talking about this. And it's one of the, you know, I, when I, I tell people if I'm selling something or if I'm promoting something, I guarantee you 100% I believe it. Uh, you might not agree with me. You might say it doesn't work, but I, I would never bullshit you. Never. And yeah. this stuff, to me, I feel it does something to yeah, me. Well, I feel it, it allows sense. my mind yeah. to function at a smooth and energetic level. It feels good. Yeah, the, uh, the ingredients make sense. Uh, I used to, I got started with the smart drug stuff in college. I decided to use the FDA personal importation policy to bring in uh, paracetam, hydrogen, vasopressin, all of these drugs from Europe to test on myself for, uh, for learning purposes. And one of them, vasopressin, is used as an antidiuretic hormone in kids. If they're older and they wet the bed, they start using this nasal spray, which is vasopressin. What's fascinating about it is part of the reason if some people feel that they experience, say, memory loss with alcohol if they drink too much is it depletes you of vasopressin, which is necessary for short-term memory. Some types of pot also. Uh, but if you, if you jack, you know, if you squirt vasopressin into each nostril, what I was able to do is before Chinese character tests, we would have these character quizzes, and I could literally take two shots, one in each nostril, flip through the characters, because it has a very short effect, and then 10 minutes later score 98 plus on these wow. these uh, recall tests. Oh, yeah, holy really, shit. Really wild shit. How, what is the shelf? I mean, what is the, uh, uh, the the active life of it, though? Oh, it's very, very short. Well, here's the thing. Half though. hour? Uh, yeah, something like that, I would guess. But it, well, actually, it probably lasts longer. But the learning effect that I experienced was very short. It was like 30 minutes. But since it's antidiuretic, I mean, it doesn't, as a parent, it wouldn't do you, do you very much good to have your kid not piss for 30 minutes and then just wet the bed. So I'm imagining it lasts longer. Uh, but 
the uh, the other one what is the what is the what's going on though why does it allow you to memorize so my my understanding and somebody who's listening can probably do a better job on google of getting the getting the details off wikipedia or wherever but vasopressin my understanding is that it is a hormone that is necessary for short-term memory so the actual formation of the short-term memories which is all bio biologically limited uh and i think we are very optimistic about how much we know about the brain. I think that it's, I mean, we'll have to rewrite it all in five years probably, but most people think of short-term, you have working memory, short-term memory, and long-term memory. For that transfer to short-term to long-term, once it makes that jump, you're good to go. So it's not like when I stopped using Vasopressin, I lost those memories. As long as I repeated it, used intelligent spaced repetition to repeat it at some point before I lost it. Uh, with like the Ebbinghaus curve and all of that. So uh, Pimsler, if people are interested, Pimsler is the guy who looked very closely at this. What's that spell his name? Uh, P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R. And they have a lot of language programs based on on his methodology. I find it really slow. I think there are faster ways to do it. But the vasopressin and then hydrogene, I found to have a really favorable sort of effect to side effect ratio. Uh, whereas vimpocetine, I didn't see anything from some of the really strong stuff like modafinil. Have you seen? Have you read it? No, Olympic, but I, yeah. I try that vimpocetine. How do you say it? Sp uh, vim, but vim, uh, yeah, vimpocetine. Uh, oh no, there's, there's, uh, yeah. So I'm, I think I'm, I might make. This is vimpocetine, right here, which is in this. I've tried that on its own, and I yeah. didn't, didn't really feel anything with it. You'll feel a lot if you, and I don't recommend this, but what it does is it sensitizes you to other things, which is part of the reason why it makes sense to have in small doses in a product like this. Uh, which is why I'm not. I'm happy to pop one of these, but I'm going to wait about 30 minutes because I know that the blood caffeine concentration I have right now, if I combine it with vimpocetine, I'll be fucking ricocheting off the wall. Really? Give me that. Let me try that. <laughs> yeah, I want. I want one. Let's try that. See what happens. That's, That's so. I wish I, I. I wish I could be like you. I, I wish I. You, I could seem like you have everything exactly planned out. You know what? This will happen to your body. Well, he's you a seem smart so guy. in touch he with your body that you know everything. Brian, listen, I love you, but you're a man child. <laughs> no, but okay. I mean, like, you know like most, most of the most fittest people and the smartest people aren't connected Have to their body as much as you are. I'm going to take an experiment. We're I need some, uh, I'm, I'm going to need to grab some of your water then in that case. Sure. So I'll, I'll encourage everybody to listen carefully as my word per minute rate goes through the roof. Uh, yeah, cool. Thank you. But Powerful drugs. Powerful <laughs> so smart drugs. We have quite a, quite a combination drugs, of things going on. What? What's that? Oh, we do? Yeah. We got caffeine, weed, this stuff. We got a lot a lot happening. We're experimenting with the mind. So uh, we, at onit.com, we just started putting this stuff out, and uh, the, the, the positive feedback has been fucking crazy, man. People love this shit. And I really, you can have that, man. Oh, I'm thanks. not going to drink out thanks. of it now. It's <laughs> I mean, a good choice. You're, you're a nice I've, I've guy, done a lot to myself. Yeah, you traveled all over the world, dude. <laughs> Who knows what kind of exotic shit you brought back with you? <laughs> How did you get into this whole writing books and, 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 you know, and breaking things down? You have so many internet speeches and so many different... I mean, I, I saw a fascinating one that you did on dating that I thought was very frank and, and honest. And you know, it was like you had a, a really great analysis. And the analysis was that you don't put all your eggs in one basket in your life. You don't judge your own self-worth by one singular thing. And that's why you said you're invested in athletics and knowledge and mm -hmm. experience. And you have a bunch of different things you're interested in. So if something happens and some chance of fate, one thing goes wrong, you're not devastated. You're yeah. still an accomplished human being in all these different areas. Yeah. But that so many people will get involved in 
relationships and from the get-go they would just grab one girl and just stick with this one yeah. and you were like date a few different women it seems so self-evident yeah. seems so obvious but date more than one woman yeah. until you find the one you'd like the best yeah if you stick with one like right off the bat just because this was you know especially when you first know each other and you're both completely full of shit yeah. you know i mean <laughs> god it's especially when you're young i mean yeah. what 24 year old is really that person when you first start yeah. dating them yeah and especially guys we're completely full of shit when we first start dating a chick we want them to like us we're on our best behavior and then we slowly let our real personality come out yeah you know and i think uh you know your your advice was uh was something that a lot of people wouldn't say because it makes you seem like you're a player or it right. makes you seem like you're trying to be a, a sleazy guy. Yeah. You know, look guys, I'm going to show you how to get laid. This is how it goes. Right. Number one, what you going to do? Date other chicks, man. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Why cut yourself short, bro? But you're <laughs> right. saying exactly what that guy's saying, yeah. but you're saying in, 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 you've, in a sense, you, an intelligent way, you've analyzed the situation. He said, well, there's, clear, there's a clear way to eliminate a lot of the problems that people yeah. run into, and this is one of them. Yeah, and it's uh, for me. I think that's part of the reason I get so much shit online too. Is that I, I, if I have a strong opinion based on experiments or data or whatever, I, I'll share it. And then there's a lot that is then misconstrued from that, or maybe I just come across like a dick. I don't know. It could be that too. But the way this all started was uh, I can help you there. <laughs> okay, you don't come across like a dick at all. This is what you come across like. You come across like a confident guy who's smarter than me. You know, and when I hear a guy talk like that, I'm like, oh, here's a guy that is well read, knows a bunch of different fucking languages, w thinks of things and then goes after them, mm -hmm. enjoys learning and information, travels the world. That makes me uncomfortable. That mm -hmm. makes me uncomfortable. And then you say date a bunch of different women. Oh, you fucking piece of shit. Right, They're looking right. for something to yeah. be wrong with you. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but no, no, no. you're, you're a, a young, smart guy with a lot of interest, and that makes people upset. And if you try to put logic and attach logic to anything that involves men and women in relationships, people will call you a piece of shit or yeah. a chauvinist or, you know. Yeah. Or a player. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what it is. Oh, poor guy's trying to get laid. What's the fuck? What happened there? Isn't that what everybody's trying to do? Isn't that why you're selling me fucking cars with, you know, chicks in bikinis straddled on the hood? What, what yeah. are you selling me here, man? You're selling me pussy. <laughs> and then if somebody actually likes pussy and they go, oh, he goes after pussy, what's he doing, you fucking weak, weak thing with your <laughs> ego? And oh, he thinks he's a hot shit. So you know Chinese. Fuck you. you know, it's just, it's something about someone who's like out there just doing a bunch of yeah. shit while you're sitting at home with a beer in your lap. You're like, this fucking queer. You know, you just... That's what it is. That's the hate yeah, they're getting. You're yeah, not doing a, anything there's wrong. A, there's a big... Yeah, there's a large contingent of people who are convinced that I'm gay also. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it goes both ways. But the... Well, uh, you talk too smart. You don't have enough yeah. flavor in your voice. You I've, know, you I've masked it. I'm from Long Island originally, man. It took yeah. so long. Yeah. Well, you're a smart guy. You, you look. We, we, look. Here's the deal. <laughs> you I, might be I had a Boston accent. I had a Boston accent for a while. I got rid of my Boston accent. Yeah. I had it. I listened to myself on TV when I was 19 years old. I heard myself talking in an interview, and I was like, "Oh my God, I sound like the biggest fucking moron." <laughs> Uh, there was a Taekwondo tournament that I won, and I was on TV, and they're like, yeah, we've been working really hard. And I'm like, oh, you listen to me? What is wrong with that? You can shake that yeah, shit loose. Yeah. But, you know, we, we obviously imitate our environment. Yeah. And your environment over the, you know, a big period of your life has been around thinkers, and your environment yeah. has been around, you know, people that are like-minded and, you know, and, and, and in these subjects that you're pursuing. That's why you sound like a gay. 
Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's I'll not take that you it. sound like you get. Yeah, yeah. You just sound it. like nobody they know. <laughs> See, they don't know anybody yeah. like that. It they was, don't know anybody super smart. You know, I, I've made a lot of mistakes in a couple of narrow areas, and I think it, that allows me to talk. I mean, I use a lot of vocabulary in a few places, but the 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 writing part was totally accidental. Really? Uh, yeah, I find writing really difficult. I well, this fucking book's giant, dude. Yeah, it's a big one. It's the like a four-hour body. His yeah. la- latest one. This is your latest Holy one. This is a yeah. giant-ass book, it's son. A big one. Yeah, that was after cutting 150 pages, too. If you can believe. Yeah, it. there's like 600 fucking pages. In so this thing. I I promised myself after uh, after college because I, my senior thesis almost killed me. I actually took a year off of school in large part because this project became such a monster for me, uh, and I promised myself that I would never write anything longer than an email when I graduated. And obviously that didn't work out very well. But uh, I knew I wanted to be a teacher because of a few people in my life who had a huge impact on me, like my wrestling coach, uh, Mr. Buxton, uh, a number, Reverend Greenleaf, uh, a number of others. And I just wanted to have that impact on other people. But I felt like, all right, I'm going to have to go out in the real world, actually do something, and then I'll go back and teach. Probably in ninth grade, I think that was a really sensitive, malleable time. But when I stumbled across the writing stuff, is because I was teaching a class twice a year, and one of the students in feedback form said something along the lines of, I don't know why you're teaching 50 students in a class, you just write a book and be done with it. Like, ha, ha, ha. And... I started gathering these notes because I had terrible insomnia at the time and I would wake up and I would just write down whatever I was thinking to go back to sleep. It wasn't to keep the notes. And these notes started piling up with sort of hypothetical chapters and this, that, and the other thing. And finally, just asked a friend of mine who was a writer, I was like, is this full of shit or should I actually go for this? And he says, yeah, no, you should go for it. And he introduced me to four agents. Three of them turned me down flat. One was brand new but had a lot of experience in publishing, so he signed with me. Uh, he was very early stage, and then 26 publishers turned it down, and the 27th one took it, and then I was like, oh, shit, now I have to write a book. And wow. <laughs> yeah. Initial print run was like 9,000 bucks or something like that. And it was what like, is the premise behind your first book is the four-hour work week? Yeah. What is the premise behind so that? So the, the premise behind that, I'd say, is twofold. The first is that the deferred life plan, i.e. a retirement-based career planning model, is fl- fundamentally flawed in a number of ways, fatally flawed, uh, both both financially, sort of numerically, and then also it's, it's assuming you will live a long time, which is, I think, a really foolish way to spec out the next 20, 30 years of your prime physical uh, lifetime. Second is that if you use a, a few approaches to analyzing your ideal lifestyle that you're reserving for retirement. You actually arrive at a number, like a target monthly income to finance that, whether it's the Aston Martin, the frickin' Chateau, whatever the hell it might be, that there are ways to analyze your work so you can get five to 10X per hour more done. Whether you choose to then reduce your hours or just work the same number of hours and just get 10X the output, there are things like Parkinson's Law 80-20 analysis that you can apply to your life just like you would apply it to a company if you were a CEO and you can jack up your productivity. Uh, that's the premise of the first book. And so, uh, you know, working with, I'm involved with a lot of startups in Silicon Valley, like, uh, you know, invested in Facebook and Twitter and stumble upon Evernote, things like this. And you see the type of, of split testing they do, like testing two homepages, and then they look at the numbers, and then they'll test two different buttons, and then they'll look at the numbers. And you can, that led me to do that first with my own business, which was in the sports nutrition world. And then after, to look at language the same way, I'm like, all right, I'm going to test Pimsleur versus Michelle Thomas for two weeks. And these are the objective criteria I'm going to use to assess which is the better method. And I just started applying that same type of split testing 
uh, like the drugs, same deal. Uh, you know, I'll test, I'll test too. Yesterday, I was I'm writing a book about cooking and food right now, and I'm trying not to chop my fingers off. So I actually bought a knife and a cutting board, and I'm traveling with it. Have it in my bag right now, actually. But uh, and I was chopping, and I separated like celery out into. Uh, into equal lengths to test a Chinese method of chopping and then like a French method of chopping. I just wanted to see which one was fastest. And so I like, laid it out. It's kind of weird, but... Dude, you're a fucking weirdo, bro. <laughs> when you're measuring celery, looking for the Chinese method, just chop that shit up, dude. What are you doing? That's ridiculous. But you know what? You never get to the, the, the mindset to write a book like the four-hour work week, unless you have some sort of... You know, you can call it OCD, but yeah. it's really just an exceptional interest in things. Yeah. You know? And I owe that to my parents, honestly. But what my parents did, they never... Uh, you know, I came from a very uh, moderate background. Both my parents were dual-income family, and uh, they didn't have a lot of money for all sorts of trips and things like that, but they would expose me to all sorts of different types of things like the aquarium or take me to the beach to, let's say, pick up magnetic you know, uh, sand, like the black sand with magnets and so forth. And then when uh, I have a younger brother, and when one of us would become fixated on something that we really were drawn to, then my parents would just put everything behind it. And so they didn't have a budget for BB guns out, like you know, new bike out. But they said we always have a budget for books. So I remember I got really into fish and sh well, sharks more specifically. So my mom bought me this really expensive book. It's like forty dollar hardcover uh, Audubon Society. I think it was Audubon Society, but it was fish. And I took it to school, and the teacher said to my mom at some point, she's like, you know, you really shouldn't have him have allow him to bring the book to school. He'll destroy the book. And my mom was like, he's not going to destroy the book. <laughs> You're an idiot. And uh, I think that by the the training that I've, the conditioning that I've had through my uh, through my parents to just go after uh, whatever I'm interested in feel supported in doing that is what's led me to all this stuff. Has it ever backfired when it comes to chicks? Have you ever become an unwanted stalker and didn't realize you were doing it? You were just yeah. trying to be so persistent and yeah. chasing, and that it became yeah. a sickness. Uh, not not so much as a stalker. The one habit I have, which gets me into a lot of trouble with guys as much as as chicks. This might be also related to the gay thing. Is uh, <laughs> that uh, you know so I'm, I'm really <laughs> yeah it's sucking all the cocks. It's a terrible habit. And once you start, is. I don't. It's like cigarettes. Yeah, but uh, but no, what I was gonna say is that that guy that could be edited terribly. But this is my ringtone. Tim Ferriss ringtone was I look at I I'm fascinated by people. And so I'll look at them, and so I, if I'm looking at, let's say, an attractive girl across the bar, and she's, like, smiling, and okay, cool, I go from, like, flirty eye contact to creepy eye contact really quickly, and it doesn't register with me because I'm just fascinated at so you're like looking at people. So you're a scientist, and they think you're a killer. They think I'm a serial killer, yeah. But you're just a scientist. I'm, ju I'm just fascinated by visual stimuli. Me too. Yeah. I do you the sound, same shit. Yeah, yeah. You sound like you're high when you're not high. I might be kind of high. <laughs> but when you're not high, well, right now you probably Oh, oh, yeah. But I mean, right, it right. sounds like that's what a high person does. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think that I could, I mean, I can get high. I try to engineer highs doing other things. So I do, I tend to do, let's say, five to ten minutes of Vipassana meditation, just awareness meditation in the mornings. And I always have either uh, Pu Air tea, which is a Chinese like dark tea, or yerba mate i really like argentine yerba mate it has three different stimulants in it mm. so i try to time it when i wake up so that it hits my bloodstream as i'm met as i'm meditating oh. and uh, it's not very strong but the after effect that i have for two or three hours is absolutely a high Most are you certain. one of those guys that's really productive in the mornings 
Uh, no, 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 not. Uh, but I try. I recognize, for me at least, that how I set up my morning ritual, the first sixty minutes, will d- determine my productivity for the rest of the day. Now, are you you're, are you so organized that you have like every day lined up? Like you have objectives for each mm-hmm. day, and you have like a schedule for each day. And I have one or two. You pretty much work for yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. I have one or two. No more than one or two primary to-dos per day, and I actually try to calendar as very, as least as possible. It's actually something I realized that Schwarzenegger does, and a handful of other people, they will not put things on the calendar. They're just like, call me. If I'm available, I'm available. If I'm not, I'm not. And that provides, at least me, particularly if I'm write- on writing deadline, with a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still have you know one or two to-dos that I try to get done uh, or, or hit a milestone in progress for uh, before... I check email. So I try to set one hour in the morning to at least focus on one of those two to-dos before any kind of reactive work. You sound like such a... Produ- I don't think I've ever met someone so productive. <laughs> Have you ever met anybody that even sounds that productive? No, but it's pretty awesome. And like this, I'm inspiring. just looking through this book at how many interesting things are in it. Uh, the, the diet that you have in here... That's the four-hour body. That's a yeah, different one. Yeah, this is the four-hour body. Yeah. Uh, the diet in here says lose 20 pounds in 30 days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, and I was looking at through it. It's an it's, all-cock diet. No, it, it seemed very Weight Watchery almost, like, but but kind of edit. See, I, I lost uh, six, 65 pounds in three months, yeah. uh, and what I did is I pretty much took Weight Watchers and yeah. I cut out all the bullshit. So yeah. I, I just I, I didn't do like the fruits and yeah. and, and, and I stayed away from nuts and yeah. and things like that. But it was pretty much I was getting the nutrients I needed yeah. and stuff. But uh, it, it, it it just more sucked doing it. Like you yeah. missed foods, but it just burned calories. Yeah, the, the slow carb is actually closest to something I tried before arriving at that. Mm-hmm. which was the cyclical ketogenic diet. So Atkins is just a brand name applied to the ketogenic diet right? where your body's working off of ketones instead of glucose. Uh, is that dangerous? I don't think so. No. So what's dangerous is ketoacidosis that you see in diabet- like diabetics, for example, as opposed to ketosis. But the diet was originally designed for epileptic children. Because if you put kids on what people think of as an Atkins diet, high, high fat, and then high protein and next to no carbs. The high fat is really important. So you see a lot of cream in the diets for kids. Cut downs on, on it will cut down on epileptic seizures like 75, 80% in many cases. Whoa. It's astonishing. And the slow carb diet, cyclical ketogenic diet, is where you combine it with exercise so that you're in ketosis for five or six days. Then you carbohydrate load for 24 hours for the insulin and anabolic effects. And then you go back into ketosis. Uh, but it's a huge pain in the ass. That one is. Right. But if you do roughly sort of a paleo-type diet with legumes and then you eat whatever the fuck you want for one day, it's like an approximated version of that that works really, really well. I don't think of uh, in terms of doing a be- having a paleo diet, but I try to cut back way back on my bread and pastas. Yeah. I, I try to eat very little of that stuff. And I try to eat only shit that grows. That's what yeah. I try to eat. I yeah. treat it anything that grows, anything that's alive, whether it's salads or vegetables or animals, anything that grows. Face or in the ground. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's <laughs> that's what I that's what I like to eat. I, you know, when you start eating a lot of pastas and breads and you know yeah. and sodas and, and and just nonsense. Yeah. I, I I absolutely feel a difference in how my body processes it, what kind of energy my body has. I always feel way healthiest when I'm just eating a lot of vegetables and just meat and stuff along those lines. Yeah. Which I guess is the paleo diet, right? It is. I mean, I think it's been that the the term has been co-opted by a lot of people who turn it into like a mania. A fad. Yeah, and it, yeah. so you have I think on both extremes, 
and not everyone who who would self-identify with paleo is extreme but you find that like the paleos and the, the vegans have this like extreme war going on there's and a war <laughs> it's war of i take the paleo <laughs> i got five bucks it, on the paleos <laughs> Uh, but but I, I think that where a lot of a lot of folks miss the boat, uh, and, and I think your approach is is right in the sense that when you become really militant about one side or the other, if your if your goal is to help other people, you have to look at the compliance as much as how effective it is. So it's like you might be able to get, let's say, someone on Biggest Loser in shape by duct taping bowling balls to their hands and having them run through the fucking desert with a weighted sled behind them, but. Like once they're off of national television and they're not shamed into crying with product placement, like how long are they going to actually do that? Probably never again. Is that what they do on that show? Uh, I, I saw a tweet at one point that I thought was was great, which was uh, "Biggest Loser equals Fat People Crying in Product Placement," <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really dead on because you can't fill an hour or whatever it is, half hour even on a weekly basis with simplicity. You can't do it. You can't be like, all right, kettlebell swings three times a week, you're fucking done. Focus on your diet because that's the only way you're going to lose fat. You can't do that because you have to fill 30 minutes of, of fat people running around. Um, so I did actually see one where they had these morbidly obese people with weighted sleds attached to them running through like sand dunes. So terrible. Yeah. They should be doing yoga. Cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you lose a lot of weight really fast, it fucks your metabolism up too, doesn't it? Especially yeah. when you yeah. do it at a really low uh, calorie level. If yeah. you like cut your calories, like yeah. if you're supposed to have a thousand a day, there's people that will go 500 a day just to lose weight quicker. Yeah. But when they do, it jacks their whole system. Oh, they're fucked. Yeah. It'll kill your thyroid, among other things. Um, that's why you see women who've lost, you know, they lose 50, 60 pounds, but they do it by starving themselves, and then they really fuck their thyroid, and they not only plateau, but they start to have all sorts of hormonal issues. And then they have empty tits. That's yeah, the saddest yeah, no part. Good. When they're, they're uh, when they're plump and their tits are big and full, and yeah. then they get crazy and go anorexic and lose a ton of weight, and their tits become like empty little bags. Ghost boobies. Yeah. Ghost boobies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not... It's the saddest thing. Or when a girl has a perfect ass, then she just gains a little bit of weight, and all of a sudden there's stretch marks on her ass. Like, yeah. what the fuck happened? Yeah. Like, you didn't, you weren't in pain while your ass was growing. <laughs> you kept eating. Like, look what it did to your ass. Your ass has railroad tracks on it, and you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. What the fuck is that? How do, how do girls get stretch marks on their ass so quick? I saw guys get stretch marks on their pecs. I guess you know, it's just like it's a lot easier to gain fat than it is to gain muscle. So like you see these guys with these incredible yeah, stretch marks on, yeah. the, on the outside of the pecs, and I think that you know for women, uh, like guys put it on the gut and women put it right on the ass and the legs. Isn't it like uh, genetic though, as far as stretch marks? Like some people just don't get stretch. Like some women. Don't oh yeah, get yeah, stretch yeah. Marks. I think it has a lot. I think that humidity actually plays a part too. Really? Uh, yeah. So the more humid the climate, the, the fewer, the fewer, the fewer issues marks. you're going to have. But that totally makes sense. I've heard Charles Poliquin, who's a Olympic-level, professional-level strength coach, recommends that his athletes or women who are losing a lot of weight, or men, I suppose, for that reason, um, use, I think it's Go-To Cola as a cream, which helps with the stretch marks, hmm. apparently. That's what he, he prescribes. Um, I use oil valet. Oil valet. So to answer my question, you never get creepy with chicks because you're obsessed with getting them. Never, I've been dating. A, I've been dating a great girl for about five months, so I'm I'm not on the market. But or, before or that, but before, but before that, that, did you? But my, I'm not oh, no, no, accusing no, no. you of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that you have this uh, incredibly inquisitive mind and this this I'm going to accomplish my goals mentality. And 
there are certain people who have that mentality and it works all great until it comes to people liking them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah communicating exactly. with people because yeah. it, to be super successful at a lot of things, there is a certain amount of bulldog aggression or, bull, yeah. you know, the, the, the ability to push forward and, you know, and, and keep your eye on the prize and focus and focus. Yeah. And if you're a socially retarded person yeah. and you have that and you are into a chick, it could yeah. get ugly, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that I've definitely creep girls out but it's usually it's usually because i'm doing some fucking experiment like i remember one time i went on this i went on i went on i went i went on this first date i was set up with gorgeous girl and showed up and then i was like don't let this weird you out and i pulled this electric scale out of my bag and started weighing all the pieces of food on the table and uh that was the beginning of the end why did you do that uh because i was trying to prove that the calories in, calories out model as co-opted by nutritionists is totally inaccurate. They don't understand thermodynamics. So what I was doing is eating uh, seven, I think it was 6.8 times my resting metabolic rate, like what you're supposed to need, need to maintain weight on a daily basis. I ate seven times that in about 12 hours. And to show that I could prevent myself from getting fat, even if I ate that way. Uh, so to clock in later with lower body fat, like two days later, and so I was weighing all my food so that I could do an accurate calorie count later. So if I had whatever amount of cheese, I wanted to know how many grams that was. So later I could do the multiplication and do all the adding. So you, your contention is that it's based on a, a weight to, to energy? to like I don't understand. Oh, like, no, no. So what, is, what, what are they wrong about? What they're wrong about is they'll say, all right, you have calories in, eating, and then you have calories out, exercise. So that's your balance. In reality, there are many different ways you can get rid of calories besides exercise. Stress. Stress, heat, so if you put yourself in cold, so uh, Ray, who's the Na- one of the NASA scientists in the book, he tripled his fat loss by using cold treatments, whether like uh, cold showers or I-, I use ice baths, tripled his rate of fat loss. Uh, I mean, that's the, equivalent, that's the equivalent of taking like methamphetamine, but he wait just... Wait a minute, wait a yeah. minute, wait a minute. How do you do that? What do you do? You just get in a cold shower every day and you lose yeah, fat? Yeah, How much? How long do you got to be in that shower? Oh, I do like a few minutes. I mean, very short. And I, I actually And that prefer, makes you lose fat? Yeah, I okay. prefer... It triggers a hormone that I think people are going to be hearing a lot more about in the next few years, probably the next one or two years. Adiponectin, most people have never heard of this, improves, uh, among other... Well, insulin sensitivity, but also the, the rate of fat loss. And when you and cold triggers this, also triggers uh, luteinizing hormone, which you of course see in your blood panel when you do uh, testing, looking at testosterone, which I think is the primary driver behind sex drive. So if you're able to jack up your LH, you've, you're like you want to go hump a corner. It's really pretty. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. But the so uh, cold showers make you horny. Uh, yeah, if you take like an ice So it's bath. the opposite of what yeah. they always told us. Well, it'll definitely make you look like less of uh, Ron Jeremy but you know, <laughs> with an ice bath. But the, the intermediate and uh, longer-term effects, yeah, higher sex drive, absolutely. That's incredible because that's what they always say, right? Take a cold shower and it cools you off. You're horny. Yeah. Yeah. But in fact, it just makes you harder. It'll make you, yeah, you'll need some recovery time for taking an ice bath. I like an ice bath up to like mid-chest. Okay, so when you uh, when you you like need 20 recovery pounds, time, twenty pounds of ice. How yeah. much recovery time do you need before you're ready to rock? Uh, twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Yeah, you're good. Do you have to get in any warm water to rejuvenate? Or I would take a hot shower afterwards. I would actually shower. take a hot shower beforehand. Uh, so there's something called contrast therapy that the East Germans used to use, where you take, uh, for example, hot a very hot shower so that the blood vessels dilate uh, in an area. This is after sports, so I started using this for sports stuff. I have all sorts of back injuries, so I do hot on the back and then go right into the ice bath, oh and that God. would like yeah. hyper constrict it. And then you get out and you do the you do the hot shower to finish, 
and that's supposed to help uh, flush out debris and, and uh, damaged tissue and so forth. It really works. It's amazing. It's like it's like an extra two days of recovery. Hot and cold therapy. And uh, they they used to do that back uh, for injuries a long yeah. time ago in the in the eighties. I tore my sartorius muscle. Wow. Yeah, it was a big one too because this is uh, I was a uh, this was the third year that I was uh, defending uh, the state championship yeah. in uh, Taekwondo and I, I couldn't do any sparring I couldn't kick the bag I used to have the only, the only thing I could do is throw kicks in a swimming pool yeah and uh, I had a, a bunch of different therapies to to fix that and one of the big ones was getting a hot 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 bath and then plunge right into a bath full of ice cubes. Yeah. It was crazy. Sartorius is yeah. a gnarly one. Yeah, it was bad. It Oof. was a bad tear. It went right up to the hip. Oh, oh, yeah, you're, oh, oh, you know, you're doing oh. Taekwondo. You're whipping your legs around yeah, these crazy, yeah. unnatural motions with all this torque. This amazing yeah. amount of torque, especially if you get really good and really flexible. Yeah. And, you know, I was really young, too. And your, your, your body, when you're like 17, 18 years old, it just has some elasticity to it. Yeah. It springs and whips, you know? Yeah. So you, you generate so much force, you can rip things apart. I tore my ACL, <sighs> tore my sartorius, ripped rib cartilage. Oh, God. You know? yeah. I haven't torn my sartorius. Hamstring is the worst leg muscular and connective tissue issues that I've had. The, I did it once so bad, my whole leg was black and oh, blue. I just, popped... And then the rest of my leg, like from from my balls all the way down to like Oof. below my knee, was total black and blue. Like I got shot. That's terrible. There's yeah. a there's a guy I know. He lives actually around here. Scott Mendelson. He's broken nine records in the bench press, world records. The guy can bench about 1,200 pounds. I'm not kidding. It's, it's, and Christ. I've seen him do warm ups with five plates on either side, just like somebody would use a, an empty bar. Oh. And he he's a huge guy. No big surprise there. It's like three. The last time I saw him, he was 320 and had a six pack. To give me an idea. Uh, but when uh, people don't realize, when you start handling those types of weights, you're using your legs in a major way, even for the bench press. And so I remember seeing him at one point, and he was hobbling around. He showed me his leg. His entire, he tore his entire quad, which is like the size, it's like twice the size of my torso, uh, doing the bench press. Oh and so his entire God. quad was just black. Just ripped off of his Yeah, it was just bone. completely black. It looked oh like, I'm sure what your leg looked like. Yeah, muscle tears are a motherfucker, man. Yeah. They take a long time. They do, yeah. I'm I, so careful as I get older about warming up and you know and and getting really loose before I do anything. That has helped me so much, man. Yeah, have you done any in, uh, any of the rolling like lacrosse balls or foam uh, foam yeah. rollers? Yeah, those are great. I find yeah, there's really a deep helpful. tissue guy that I go to that just fucking hurts like hell, man. Yeah. And it's a dude, which is uncomfortable. Because I always used to go and get deep tissue massages from chicks. Yeah. But then I started getting real sports massages yeah. from, from yeah, exactly. someone who's uh, who, who's a strength coach at Purdue. And like he's legit. And, yeah. and he breaks your shit down, dude. It's fucking painful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he has all these emotion things he does, too. He stretches you in all different range of motions while he's, like, just digging elbows uh, into the muscle. Yeah, and yeah. You, I mean, it's fucking, you want to tap out left yeah. and right. It's It gets pretty rough. Sounds like ART. Does he ever mention yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. is fucking painful. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah. But it's fucking amazing. Yeah. It allows you to go back to training, like, much quicker. Yeah. You know, just, there's all sorts of different things that we don't like to do that are uncomfortable, like the ice baths and yeah. like this kind of shit. But, God, when you do do them, it's so important. It's a big difference. Fucking other, huge. Other thing I found to help uh, a lot with muscle muscular injuries is either arnica, or this is uh, and this is an actual is that topical. homeopathic stuff. Arnica? Yeah. So the Isn't arnica can be it can be homeopathic. What I prefer the the I, I have a lot of issues with most of homeopathy, but the uh, 
Traw meal is a product that you can get at uh, Whole Foods, and it's T-R-A-U-M-E-E-L, and it is astonishingly effective. I, I don't know exactly the mechanism of action, but it really works. Really? For, like, musculoconnective uh, issues. Oh, it's fantastic. Like, yeah. like helps heal them? Or? Yeah, yeah, really? like the, the speed of healing. So uh, how do you spell this stuff for, for people out there? Yeah, T-R-A-U-M-E-E-L, and you can get both ingestible and topical. If you have a serious... Like if, if I have an acute injury, I had one recently uh, a few months ago in the hamstring, went immediately to Whole Foods, got a bunch of bags of ice for an ice bath, and bought a bunch of traw meal and like high dose of vitamin C and a few other things to immediately sort of try to address the short-term inflammation because I was at a, a certification for CrossFit endurance and <laughs> had to do, I had to do the second session the next day and I wanted to do the session the next day. How uh, did you do it with a blown hamstring? Uh, it was like a partial strain, I would say... Uh, was, certainly wasn't any type of, of, of severe tear, but it was enough that I was hobbling around after a few hours. And you know, if, if you feel it that day, you know what I mean? Like you're really going to feel it the next day. Uh, but I worked with the ice, traumeal, contrast therapy, and I uh, was, was able to go the next day. I wasn't 100%, but I was able to actually do a running cert. Well, it must not have been that big of an injury because I got to assume that that's, that would fuck you up for quite a while if it really was. I mean, there's nothing that's going to make you heal overnight, right? No, 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 not, not overnight. I think but that what, stuff you believe helps What you can term. do, it does help long term. In this particular case, my concern was just addressing the inflammation and stiffness so I could train the next day. The following week, yeah, I was a mess because I took an injury and then built on top of it. Oh, so uh, it became worse? Yeah, but in, this, in that case, I was willing to do it because I just wanted to finish the cert when I was in Colorado, so... It's amazing yeah. how much we know about fixing the body, though, man. I mean, I have both of my knees have been reconstructed, ACL reconstruction. It's it's amazing that you know if we live just yeah. one lifetime earlier, yeah. I'd be a cripple. Yeah, you know, yeah. or it shouldn't. You know, people don't like that. They think that's an offensive term. I would be a person whose both knees are fucked up. How about yeah. that? Yeah, you know, there would be no. Meanwhile, they work 100. percent They work yeah. great. Yeah, no problems. Kickboxing, jujitsu, everything works great. Yeah. Just fix it, put it back together again. Yeah, know? it is wild. It's incredible. It's amazing when you think about it. I think. Oh no! I was just going to say that uh, for people who who really want to take the the regenerative stuff seriously, what I would encourage people to start researching is looking at banking stem cells. So getting stem cells at a younger age to bank so that you can use them later if you want to get like a uh, what is the term I'm looking for? It's not mesenchymal, uh, poly uh, poly pluripotential stem cells. So you, you, you bank these stem cells that are like your younger stem cells. And then later on, if you need a liver or you need a this, you need a that, to ensure that you don't get rejection, you can actually take that stem cell, differentiate it into what you need, and then grow it. Have you done that? Uh, I am in the process of trying to do it. Is it expensive? Is it? I don't think it needs to be expensive because there are some doctors who are trying to get different, I believe so, cells that you can differentiate from skin as opposed to having to take it out of, let's say, bone marrow. I was willing to do bone marrow, so I was, gonna, I was actually going to do bone marrow harvesting. <laughs> oh, my God. Like drilling through the hip. Uh, that must be painful. It's, it's not fun. Yeah, that's not fun. How long are you out uh, for when you do something like that? Uh, I don't know. I haven't done it. Uh, but I was going to do that. And then one of my buddies who actually designed a device for that was like, well, maybe you want to consider like looking at skin or you know, blood, something like that. And I was oh, like, yes. all right, all right. Yeah. I'm happy to store whatever I can. But Wow. It seems interesting. It seems yeah. like a good idea, actually. Yeah, it's wild stuff, man. I do think that the life extension folks who take you know, 200, 300 pills a day, I think they're making a... Uh, 
sort of a, I think they're they're setting themselves up for a fasting bargain because your liver talking about the liver does not handle 200 pills a day very well right. I mean it, it's uh, it's part so of the vitamins you think are bad for breaking down for your liver uh, it depends on the vitamins yeah I would say I mean I try to get everything that I can through whole foods which is a very new thing for me because a few years ago I was like Blood test, identify problem, sniper shot with a pill, fixed, or injection, fixed. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized when you start looking at the, uh, the, the history of, of uh, let's say, beta-carotene. So it was found to be good for, well, it was thought to be very good for eyesight, among other things. So people started taking isolated beta-carotene, which then caused a lot of problems. So I'm trying to get whatever I might be deficient in. Let's say I found out that I was deficient in selenium. I did a test called SpectraCell. You can go just about anywhere, 100 bucks, you're done. And I found out I was deficient in selenium, fixed that, doubled my sperm count, and tripled my testosterone by addressing a selenium deficiency. And Double I, your sperm count? You're shooting yeah. loads in the cups on a regular basis and telling them to measure your loads? Yeah, yeah. I was, really? I was doing that too, yeah. Also, wow. probably not good first date conversation, just from did experience. You, did you bring that up? The yes. same date when you were measuring the food? No, it was a different, it was a different date. And you fucked like, that one up They too? were like, so what are you up to? And I was like, well, I'm doing some experiments. They're like, oh, what kind of experiments? I was like, well, let me tell you. And then... Yeah. yeah, I find that you can't even bring up your loads until a girl's <laughs> actually been around them. Right. Once, once you've had sex and they've been around your loads, then you're allowed to bring up your loads. Yeah. But yeah. until that moment, yeah. loads it's, are off the table. Yeah, yeah. It's, you don't get promoted. <laughs> it's like if you're talking to a girl on a first date and she starts talking about her yeast infection issues. Yeah, also. Like, what? Buzz killer. What is this? <laughs> kind of nonsense. <laughs> Fairy tale killing a bitch. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I found out what that problem was, by the way, is squirting. Oh, with your girl? Yeah. Why don't you explain G-spot, to the whole world? G-spot uh, Stimulation. Yeah? yeah? Okay. She's peeing on you, bro. No, it's G-spot He's orgasms. You got, got an issue with his girl peeing all over the place? Uh, no, or? it just started. It's G-spot <laughs> orgasms, I think, is what you the, just rock the it. You're just killing the, it that hard? Said. That's what it is? The doctor said that. <laughs> yeah. If the doctor's not there when the piss comes out, that doctor doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. The doctor needs to shut his mouth. He's just trying to make you feel better. Oh, God. I had one buddy. Uh, this is a close friend of mine. And he, he called me at like 4 in the morning at one point. <laughs> Uh, traumatized because this girl he was really into had sex for the first time and she was uh, she was riding him cowgirl and then she's she's about to come jumps up like like post on his chest and jumps up to her feet and then like squirts all over his chest oh, no. and he was so is he was really into her this is the first time they had sex and he was just so traumatized by this like power role reversal he was uh, he was Ew. really like beyond consolation, uh, but he called me at four in the morning and started sending me texts, and they were just incomprehensible. So, really so did she else. do it on his chest on purpose, like like a guy coming on a girl's tits? I, I mean, I can't imagine why else you would like yeah. prop yourself up to that's, a sumo squat and do that. That's it's awesome. Yeah, it seems like a very aggressive. Awesome. That's, that's so a sweet. very aggressive like alpha sweet. dog move. Exactly. Yeah. That's like an animal. I think yeah. that'd be. Oh. If some girl did that the first time she had sex, that's insane. That girl's so crazy. Gross. Yeah, yeah. You, but meanwhile, dudes would do that all the time. Let me come on your tits. <laughs> <laughs> But somehow or another, that's acceptable. Why is that acceptable? That sounds so hilarious. It seems like it is, though. It seems like it is acceptable for a guy to come on a girl's tits, but it's not acceptable for a girl to fucking piss all over your chest. <laughs> I want to know what that girl looks like, just for my own personal It sounds so appetizing. I don't know why. There's yeah, we have so much resistance. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But, you know, loads. Yeah. Why are girls, why do they allow that? Why do some of them actually like it? That's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous shit ever. Protein. You like loads all over you? Protein. It has nothing to do with protein. 
It's just dirtiness. That's what it is. It's being bludgeoned it's, by porn. It's just it's sheer. Exfoliating. It's good for your skin. That's got to have a bizarre. Do you, yeah. do you look at porn? Does that have a bizarre? I mean, I, I have a... I'm not nearly as organized as you are, as analytical as you are, I don't think. But I have this thing about porn, and the, the big thing that I have is that I know that this only happens yeah. when someone abuses someone. Yeah. It just it might happen with guys, but with girls, it only they only do that. They only let guys fuck them on camera because something happened yeah. at an early age. It's almost like unanimous. It's almost like a hundred percent of them have been molested. Yeah. So it's a bothers me. Group. You know, yeah. and even though they're having a great time and even though they're hot and maybe they love sex and maybe it is fun for them, and maybe they do enjoy it. I can't not do the math. Yeah. You know, I can't, you know. So when you being this analytical guy, how do you look at stuff like that? How do you look at like internet porn and things along those lines? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's tricky. It is tricky. Because you like to look at it. But yeah, I mean, I have, support it. I have no, uh, yeah, I don't have like a strong moral stance against porn, but it's hard not to think of the backstory, particularly if you actually see any type of documentary or any type of coverage of this. You know, adult film or pornography, you do see the patterns really clearly. Uh, but Jesus, I mean, just as a you know healthy male, it's yeah, it's, it's tough impossible. to just don't think of that shit, Joe. That's gonna right kill there. your boner, yeah. dude. I know you're right. You're right. It's <laughs> you're like sitting there going, going, "Yeah, I wonder what this father." I did. talked. I remember talking to. <laughs> don't uh, think about it. I talked to one of the one of these uh, tech guys who worked with uh, Anchor Free. I think it was they have they have a they have a program called the Hotspot Shield, which is great if you're traveling. For example, if you go to China, it won't work. But if you go to some countries where they block Pandora or YouTube, you can use Hotspot Shield, and it it uh, it allows you to to get around that. Really, like if you're yeah. in like Dubai. Or yeah, it gives you like a tunnel that. exactly. So it's okay. So you bring up Dubai. I asked him who most of his users were, and he said people in the Middle East watching porn. Whoa! Yeah, it was so like, what is this called again? What's it called? Hot it's called Hotspot Shield. And how do you get it? Is it a software? You, it's program? a free software program that you can download. And it works. Yeah, it works. So it's it's kind of like Tor in the sense that if you're trying to route, you know, like in Iran or other places where people are trying to route out or route can in, can they lock you in jail forever if they catch you with this? Probably. Oh, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, as as a visitor, for example, when I was in Turkey and I wanted to watch stuff on, I think it was YouTube or it was Pandora, one of the two, and I got really irritated that I couldn't access one or the other and I just use Hotspot Shield and it was problem solved. Would this work with people who if they work uh, in an office and the office blocks certain things could they put this on their computer? Uh, if, if the if the IT is set up so that they can install and download yeah they should be able to. Oh shit bitches I just found a solution to your problems your boss was sleeping <laughs> feel free to whack hear, off in your cubicle now. Did you hear MSNBC got uh, hacked yesterday by the hackers and they did a fake terrorist uh, thing on Wow uh, that's on their Twitter. Up. Who did this? And it, uh, somebody hacked MSNBC and was just like, oh my God, you know, there's terrorist shit going on at Ground Zero in New York City wow. and like did all this shit. And That's whoa. fucked up. Yeah. And then uh, somebody uh, announced yesterday that Steve Jobs died that's connected to some kind of news publication, but then they deleted it immediately and they said, sorry, we got our facts wrong or something, but a lot of people oh. are thinking that. So someone's hacking newspapers now? Yeah. Either that or someone at that particular newspaper is shorting Apple. Yeah. And they're right. just trying to set just up, trying to just set trying to tee it up for a nice double. Oh, sorry, guys, we got our facts wrong, but thanks for selling all your Frank Apple. Android. How easy would that be to be, right? 
that would be pretty easy to do at this point in time. Oh, People yeah. are just waiting for the, the story of Jobs being dead. Oh, yeah. Did you see the photo of him where he's kind of wearing this black dress-looking thing? No. And he looks like he weighs, like, 90 pounds. Yeah, everyone at the yeah. Apple store is like, oh, that's, that's Photoshop. That's not, that's not real. Like, they're defending his boss like King B. What yeah. is a guy like that? There's, a, there's clear evidence that no matter how much money you have, there's only a certain amount you can do for your health. Yeah. You know, there's only a certain yeah. amount. Do you attribute when you see a guy that's got like a, that's sick like that? And um, I, I've talked before about a girlfriend that I had who had a, a great boss who was a really nice guy who had massive cancer at 50 and was dead like that. Just, yeah. And it was a, a guy who worked. He worked for a studio and he had an incredibly stressful job. Just constant every day, six, seven days a week, all day long. He made a good living because of it, but the guy just lived in a hurricane. Yeah. You know. And do you think that that has a direct result on on physical health? I think it has to, uh, because elevated cortisol, you have interrupted sleep. Uh, I think it has to have a direct impact on on just about everything. Uh, this, the pr part of the problem with looking at studies that try to look at or disprove the correlation between stress and cancer is that a lot of these people define stress differently. Uh, but I would think that in addition to those types of stresses, which are definitely biochemical events, uh, carbohydrate intake. So there's a great book called Good Calories, Bad Calories, and there's a, there's one section on disease states and carbohydrates. And I think that if you remove gluten, grains, etc., it's very hard for certain types of cancers to grow. Um, really? Yeah. And one, I remember at one point, one of my uh, cl uh, close friends, young woman, uh, was had been diagnosed with I think it was cervical cancer, and spoke with uh, this doctor who presented a TED, uh, William Lee, L-I, and he actually has a white and green tea blend that selectively inhibits blood cell growth in cancer tissue. How cool is that? Whoa. So, yeah, obviously, if, if the cancer can't get nutrients, can't get blood, then it's, it dies. And so I've been... Uh, I consume that tea as a preventative measure, and I also obviously cut out the refined carbohydrates six days a week. Then I go ballistic. One Just day one day a week, you have a cheat day? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Ice cream, whatever the fuck you whatever, want. Whatever, whatever I want. And that's yeah. a smart move. You know, my friend Eddie was doing that. Eddie Bravo was yeah. uh, all Atkins diet. He would yeah. be Atkins all week, and then on the weekends, he would start off, it started off with just Sunday, but then it became... Saturday, Sunday, and yeah. then it was Friday after midnight. And now he weighs 400 pounds. No. Right. <laughs> he's, fit. he's fit. He takes care of himself. But it was hilarious being around him on Sunday. Because yeah. Sunday, oh, you yeah. just go off like a rocket. Yeah. Is that what you do? Do you eat like donuts uh, and shit? Or? What I find is that I encourage people, particularly when they're getting started, to just go crazy. And after two, like three or four weeks of making themselves sick, sick on they start cutting back. They start chilling out. Uh, and they'll still have fun. Like when I have my cheat days, I mean, I'm having chocolate croissants. Uh, I'm also having some good food during the day, but then I'll have, you know, wild nettle pizza with an egg on top or whatever. It's great stuff. But I don't strive to make myself sick anymore. It's not a point. It's not like I want to reach that threshold <laughs> where I used to just, it was like, oh, I wonder how many boxes of donuts I can eat. Yeah. It's fucking cheat day. And uh, you get you get past that point pretty quickly. But for people who are very phobic of diets of any type, it's, it's really helpful in the beginning stages to allow them that psychological release valve. What it also does, we were talking about thyroid, is when you selectively overfeed like that, 
you can actually improve conversion of T4 to T3 active thyroid. So you actually find that people lose more weight over time when they have that overfeeding once a week, which is pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Also affects leptin, like recalibration. That's incredible. You lose yeah. more weight by being a pig. Yeah. By being yeah. one day a week just being a savage. Yeah. Why would that be? That your your body just realizes that it has to kind of deal with that every now and again, and yeah. so it just ramps everything up? Yeah. What it doesn't do, it, I think partially, is it, it doesn't downshift because it believes that it's in a starvation mode uh, or that some type of food category is in in famine essentially so i think that when you when you overfeed the mechanism isn't entirely clear but there have been a lot of studies looking at this where if you 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 calorie load that one day it has an effect on everything from leptin to thyroid to just about everything else it's cool and about positive bit, oh yeah very positive effects on uh, so it's good to be a pig one day a week one day a week now that's you, amazing yeah if you're an athlete you would end up doing it with other types of foods, so you'd use like a quinoa or yams, root vegetables, things like that to jack up your calories if you don't want to do the donuts and all that shit. Because if you don't want to cheat. Yeah, because if you want to carb up properly, like having a lot of fructose and table sugar is half fructose, right? The sugar that's in, in fruits, it fucks up your carb load terribly. So if you're actually training, like your GSP and you want to fucking carb load, whatever, after weigh-in, then you don't want to be getting... Like, table sugar is a terrible choice. Right. Uh, so you'd want to avoid that. But I like chocolate croissants, so... That's table sugar, though, right? Oh yeah, lots of but, convectioner sugar, but sucrose. Yeah, fruit sugar won't have the same issues. Like fruit sugar will will mess up your 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 carb up, so you want to avoid that. Typically, you want to avoid fruit yeah, sugar. Yeah. So when you carb up, it's all just breads and pastas and things. You'd be along focusing those lines. on a lot of that, or if you wanted to get really fancy with it, you'd use something like waxy maize starch or some type of actual supplement. There are guys who do that. There's a really good uh, product S- called waxy uh, maize. Say that. Yeah, waxy maize starch. There's a product and it's called. Just you eat it. Yeah, you convert it into a powder and you eat it just like you would a protein powder. Uh, you drink is, it. Yeah, you drink it exactly. And what is the benefit of this starch? It's a, it it has a uh, you avoid some of the side effects of let's say consuming something that's too rapidly digested like glucose, where you're just basically injecting yourself <laughs> with like Gatorade. Yeah, uh, Gatorade would have. I'd have to look at it. It's going to have probably some glucose, but also it probably has sucrose in it. Um, but what I used to do when I was getting really crazy about the, the, the CKD, the cyclical ketogenic diet, is that I would... Say that again? Say cyclical ketogenic diet. When I was uh-huh. doing that, when I started my carb update, I would start with glucose tablets, which are disgusting. I would, I would start with the fastest and then move out to the slowest, the more slowly digested. So I didn't use waxy maize, but I would start with glucose tablets. Then I would move to some type of more rapidly digested, let's say, white rice, and then I would go into other grains and slowly move out to the, the longer digested uh, carbohydrates and then also start infusing uh, protein because the carb up can be helped with protein. depends on the ratio. Dude, uh, this is some MMA, MMA teams need a dude like you on hand to tell them how to yeah. fucking carb up and how to yeah. eat before a fight. Yeah, I can help them with that. Why don't you write a book on that shit, man? I, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've... Be, quite frankly, because it's just not much of a market for. Damn. <laughs> but I have I've done some fun stuff with uh, some NFL um, linemen as well as I've worked with a couple of fighters uh, just on the cutting weight stuff. Not so much the carving up, but like cutting for weight classes. That's just so dangerous. It, yeah, it's real. I used to cut twenty plus pounds twice a week in high school for wrestling. Oh my god! And uh, it's really dangerous. Did it stunt your growth? I don't think it stunted my growth. I think it fucked up my. Uh, I think it screwed up my 
some of my my feedback loops in the body absolutely uh because i mean i had a resting pulse when i wanted when i had to go to sleep and i would assume that i would lose let's say half a pound to a pound and a half just over over the evening over the sleep uh, my resting pulse was like 120 plus i mean it's like 140 i was just laying in bed trying to go to sleep and my blood's like ketchup so it's just like it's horrible horrible it's so bad for you and that year i remember that year we there were a couple of wrestlers who had uh organ failures because of dehydration and at that point they then changed the rules i don't know what they are now where you you weighed in as you went onto the mat so you actually weighed in right before you wrestled so you were dis- disincentivized from cutting too much water because you'll obviously just yeah they do that at the mundials the jiu-jitsu yeah. championships and yeah. a lot of people believe in that they think that the way mma fighters do it is ridiculous and dangerous that they weigh in you know the day before 20 hours uh, 24 hours and they they gain oftentimes 10 15 20 yeah. pounds depending on the guy you know six yeah. seven eight bags of iv drips constantly oh, yeah. drinking yeah. pedialyte and electrolyte rep- yeah. replenishers and it's intense it's fucking yeah. scary the it's load scary. that puts on the body though and to think that yeah. you're gonna throw that same body into combat 24 hours later oh yeah you know power lifters are the same way i mean and, yeah. uh, oh yeah they cut crazy amounts of weight oh so that they're strong for their weight class yeah. Do they cut weight and then do they have time after they weigh in before they regenerate? It's, it's, regenerate? It's like the it's like the, the, the same type of timing. Yeah, it's not much. I mean, you have 24, 36 hours maybe. Oh, you do have 24 yeah. hours. You might have 24. That's uh, crazy. They should weigh them in right before they lift. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because these guys, I mean, they're doing the same thing. They're doing like saline bag drips with electrolytes and so forth. You see a lot of people do it the wrong way and they end up losing because they'll try to rehydrate. And they won't take into account the electrolytes, or they won't take into account that your your like gastrointestinal tract is not designed to handle like six gallons of Pedialyte. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and so they just get this horrific diarrhea, which of course oh, compounds shit, the problem, and then they get ruined when they when they go out to fight. Uh, so yeah, the, if you're going to lose weight like that, you have to use if you're going to use any diuretics, uh, potassium sparing diuretics. You also see guys cramp up really badly because they don't have enough, enough potassium. Anyway, I could go on and on about this, but yeah, it's uh, the, the cutting weight's really bad for you. What's one of the most the dangerous things, at least in wrestling, there's not head trauma. Yeah. And one of the things they've shown in boxers is that the deaths, in ring deaths, yeah. almost all of them have been men cutting weight. Uh, yeah, dehydrated. Yeah, the lower weight classes is where it's an issue. And the, yeah. the heavyweight classes, of course, you know, there's still instances of brain damage and, you know, pugilistica dementia or yeah. whatever they call it, you know, when you see guys like Joe Lewis and yeah. or Joe Frazier, rather, who could, you know, is, is so speech is clearly affected oh, yeah. by being punched in the head that still exists but no deaths yeah the deaths like the duck ku kims and you know the all the uh, in ring deaths the the, yeah, the yeah. really bad injuries like Gerald McClellan Gerald McClellan yeah. was a famous weight cutter he cut a lot of weight and in this fight with Nigel Benn he had a, a cerebral hemorrhage and wound up being like se- severely disabled he's yeah. blind now and mostly deaf and you oh. know barely remembers his past and it's weight cutting man it's horrible yeah, yeah. it's weight cutting I think another reason, at least this is... And trauma, of course. Yeah, something I've thought about is that the lighter weights, too, you see these guys, I mean, they'll take, you know, 12 rounds of headshots. Yep. And there there has to, I mean, I'm just thinking that there has to be a cumulative effect of the, like, cerebral edema and and the swelling that perhaps you just don't get if you're a heavyweight and you get hit once and you just... You're well, out like a light. I don't know. It's any head trauma, really. Yeah. They're finding soccer players have serious issues, and they're telling kids not to head the ball anymore. 
they're finding a lot of soccer players actually become sick with Lou Gehrig's disease. They have wow. they have uh, issues with their all sorts. I mean, they basically have the same issues that boxers have because a, a good head, you know, when you hit a ball that's coming at you really hard and you catch it with your head, it's like getting slapped with a jab. Yeah, yeah. It's not a lot. I mean, yeah. they they're fine. They're not pussies, so they just run it off after they got hit in the head by that soccer ball. But the reality is, every time you get a pop, every little yeah. pop is bad. Yeah, they, yeah. you know, you and you're practicing on the field and you're kicking the ball and heading it at each other yeah. back and forth and you don't realize it but you're getting jabbed in the face yeah we're just now coming to terms with how dangerous head trauma is yeah. you know that's something that would be fascinating but that's exactly how the uh, Planet of the Apes got started they wanted to fix people's brains and then they fucking used it on monkeys and the monkeys got smarter than people so that could be an issue gotta be careful but, uh, we gotta cut any, off their thumbs, man. We gotta figure out how to, to how to make brains. Re, you can rejuvenate brain tissue and re, rehabilitate brain trauma. That would be amazing. Then people could fight and never even worry about it. You know, they just yeah. fix your brain after you're done, Char, charge it back up. Because yeah. right now, man, like if you, you've you've been aware of those NFL players that they've done autopsies on them and found they have you know they're 40 year old men and they have the brain of an 80 year old Alzheimer's patient. It's horrible. That's not good. Yeah, I mean, they get Alzheimer's. They get they, so many different diseases, Lou Gehrig's disease, so many different trauma-related ailments. Meanwhile, football's awesome. So how do we fix that? Science, yeah. step in. God. Yeah, I you know. I don't like seeing fighters get brain damage. It, that kills me. It drives yeah. me nuts. I mean, I've you know? seen guys, uh, you know, we were talking before the show about... Uh, Oh yeah, you know what? If there's more of that, actually, just I'll have some of the coffee. Tiny more. I'll give oh, you, you can kill it, man. Uh, but I was just saying, you know, even watching some of the recreational uh, MMA guys, if they do it for long enough and they're training with guys who are, who are hitting them a lot, thank you. Uh, you can see it over the span of years. I mean, you see their speech patterns change. Yeah. Well, uh, they're also tired all the time, too. That's one yeah. thing we have to take into consideration. Yeah. Yeah, we that. think that it's, you know, that a lot of times they're, oh, the dude's got brain damage. The guy's fucking doing three a days. Yeah. And he's exhausted when you talk yeah. to him. Yeah. You know, and he's got black eyes, so you just assume he's got brain damage. Meanwhile, he's just fucking tired. <laughs> yeah. You know, just training. Training alone, even just doing jujitsu one night a week, every, di- every night, is, it kills you. Yeah. It's brutal. But when you add in strength training and kickboxing and wrestling to all that, yeah. I don't think there's an athlete on the planet that works as hard as mixed martial arts fighters. I really don't. I think it's the most difficult physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically. I think everything about it's hard. Who Among the MMA fighters that, that uh, you've met or interacted with or just know of, who are, who have the most grueling training regimens that you know? George St. Pierre, probably. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's right up there. He's... Um, always fit you know and yeah anderson silva and george george is never out of shape never takes an opponent lightly always stays to the game plans the only time he ever took an opponent lightly was matt sarah and he got knocked out yeah never did it again and you know he's a real honest guy who uh learns from his mistakes but he trains very hard pretty much they all do at this point rashad evans is notoriously tough uh in in the training camp very hard worker you know, this John Jones kid, of course, he's he's got a, a furious work ethic. They have to. The, all the great ones have a great work There's no room right now 
at the top levels of mixed martial arts, there's no room for mediocrity. There's no room. There's no room for anybody that thinks they're a natural, doesn't want to put yeah. in the time. That sport eliminates all that shit. Eliminates all the luck and all the just natural talent. That doesn't mean shit. When you're fighting five five-minute rounds, you got to fucking train, man. Yeah. You got to train everything. You got to train wrestling, wrestling defense, kickboxing, jujitsu, jujitsu defense. You got to train getting up from the fucking bottom. You got to train takedowns. You got to train the whole fight. And if you don't, yeah. someone's going to find that chain in your armor and they're going to yeah. jack you. There's yeah. no room anymore. It used to be that all you had to do was be a good striker or all you had to do was be a good wrestler. But nowadays, it's getting to that point where you just have to always be fit. You have to always be ready. You have to, you know, there's just, it's just such an intensely uh, close and competitive environment right now. Yeah. You know, so everyone at the top has a serious work ethic. Cain Velasquez, notorious work oh, yeah. ethic. I've seen, yeah, I mean, I've watched Kane, aka ridiculous. He's, he's you seen him live train? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I trained with. Um, you live up Dave there, Dave Cam- Yeah, I used to live in San Jose. Actually, Dave Camarillo lived at my house. Really? And so I, yeah, we had a mat in the garage, and we would, uh, I would train in his classes at AKA. Dude, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, I Kane, love Dave Kane is a, Oh, he's a great teacher too. A lot of people don't realize, um, unless they've looked into it. I mean, he, he used to teach chess in uh, his spare time. He reads. Noam Chomsky, the guy is really smart. Very, very and smart. And he's very good at taking, let's say, a, a curriculum for jujitsu and then sequencing it in a way that makes a lot of logical sense. There's a progression to it. And for that reason, I mean, the guys who train with him are, let's just say you look at, uh, at low level blue belts, they're still notoriously difficult to deal with because they don't violate the, their fundamentals. They're really, they have that drilled into them. Uh, it's a great school. I mean, a lot of obviously Kane, um, Koscheck. The Swick. fundamentals are so important yeah. in jujitsu. It's yeah. something that people really don't, truly don't understand. And if you if you train with a guy who, you know, maybe isn't so technical, you yeah. know, it could really, it really, it kind of can. can Stunt your growth as oh, a, a sure. jiu-jitsu practitioner. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is like a language, in my opinion. Yeah. And and you you got to learn grammar. You have to. Yeah. Learn you know, it's just gonna say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have the framework, yeah. you know, just amassing vocabulary is. And not then it becomes an argument. Yeah. But the, the, uh, the way I describe jiu-jitsu, like most people have no idea how to defend themselves against jiu-jitsu. So really, what it's like is them not knowing a language and you yelling at them in that language, and right. they just can't possibly keep up. Right. And that's what it's like when you're in a grappling match with someone who doesn't understand jiu-jitsu yeah. and then he, the guy says well you know what i'm going to take jiu-jitsu classes well good fucking luck because you know what that's like that's like you you saying well i'm going to learn english and then i'm going to tell that american comedian what the fuck is up yeah. no you're not going to it's going to take you forever to get to his speed you're going to be able to talk at that guy's speed he's a fucking comedian he stands on stage with a microphone in front of thousands of people yeah. and he can bust out the right thing to say at a moment's notice and you're going to compete with him because you're learning this new language yeah. Called English, yeah. and you're gonna eventually get as good at him. Good fucking luck. That's what it's like when you learn jujitsu. Because someone yeah. can say, you know, man, I've been practicing jujitsu. I've been doing it six months. I'm gonna tap you now, and you can just start laughing and laughing because, like, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah. It's like you're a person who's just learning English, and you want to get into an argument with a Harvard scholar. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what yeah. it's like, you know. Yeah. And as as you get better at it, you know, you realize that even your level of understanding of the language pales in comparison to other people's. Like. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, like if I've rolled with uh, John Jock Machado, mm. who's a multiple-time world champion, yeah. and he, he gave me my brown belt, and he's a, he's a great guy and a good friend. But rolling with him is like 
He's a master. He's a master. And you just feel like it's just a fucking clod. Like, why did I have my arm there? Why is my leg here? I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for 20 years almost. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Oh, look, you're mounted. Oh, what's that? A triangle? Oh, better tap. Yeah. The world's going black. <laughs> Shit. And then you do it again. And he yeah. can tap you whenever he wants to, yeah. man. He can just keep doing it. Yeah. You, get in, you, you roll with a guy like Marcelo Garcia. Yeah. It's like you're doing chopsticks and he's playing Beethoven with six arms. Oh, yeah. You know? It's like you can't. There's yeah. fucking. There's no way. Oh, yeah. It is. It is like a language. Yeah. It is like a language. Totally. You know? so I remember uh, I've been recently getting to know, for a host of weird reasons, uh, people in the hedge fund world. And <laughs> I, I recently got out of the public markets completely. Like I don't, I'm not trading any stocks. And part of the reason was that I remember this guy saying to me at one point, he's like, would you ever play poker against a professional poker player? He's like, would you put a million of your own money down and play that guy? I was like, absolutely not. He's like, okay, would you put a million of your own money down and play Tiger Woods in golf? I was like, of course not. He's like, okay, well, why would anyone do that with their money and then think they can compete against a guy who runs $20 billion in a hedge fund? in the public markets. It's the same thing. And I was just like, that's a good point. <laughs> I think I'll opt out. I think I'll opt out of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, some of these guys, I mean, Marcelo, so Marcelo's school, he, he opened with Marcelo jo Garcia. Yeah. With, with, with Josh. Wasted so Jake is a, Josh is a good friend of mine. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome guy. And he's very, he's a very good roller too. So he's, I've he's heard he's really great. good on the mats, but I mean, Marcelo is, well, people don't understand. Let's explain yeah. who Josh is though. Yeah. Josh is a, the guy who is the inspiration for the movie searching for Eddie Fisher. Uh, yeah. Bobby Fisher, Bobby Fisher, searching for Bobby Fisher about yeah. the chess prodigy. Chess it prodigy, was about yeah. Josh. Yeah. It's about Josh. So Josh is a, you know, world-class uh, chess player, you know, he, he he's done the simultaneous exhibitions where he'll play like 40 games at once and yeah. he'll just go from board to board to board to board. Dude, to board. that's such a trip. Uh, uh, and, <laughs> what uh, a mind fuck oh, that I is. Know. You I think know. of your little fucking retard, you know, Candyland playing mind, trying yeah. to like think oh. of what's his next move going to uh, be? Oh, yeah. What's his next move? And <laughs> he's know. walking through a room, just click, 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 probably great. while a song is playing in his head yeah, at the yeah. same time. Yeah. You know? It's it's a trip. That's amazing. Yeah. Man. I've seen him. Uh, I, I've seen him play. Well, not really play chess. Teach chess. He, uh, one time to the RZA of Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. And uh, who's really into chess? And so they were they were going through opening opening moves. And I remember they went about fifteen moves into the game. Not even like ten moves into the game. And Josh goes, "All right, let's take a look at what just happened." And he just like pressed reverse and went back one move at a time, and then could jump forward three moves. <laughs> and. Uh, that just blew my mind, and wow. he and uh, you know the ability again. To, it's like a yeah. language. It's yeah. like you and I communicating yeah. with readily available nouns and verbs to us. Yeah. It's a normal thing yeah. to him. The language of chess is just so ingrained in his yeah. mind. It's just so cool. To it's watch. such a a, yeah. a a game for thinkers too. Chess yeah. is it's such an impressive game to yeah. get good at because everyone I know that's truly great at chess is fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah. When I was playing pool back in the day, when I was when I first moved to New York, I had a real pool addiction, and uh, I hung out at this pool hall, executive billiards in White Plains. I was there every day, and one of the things I found there was guys who had been to prison who learned how to play chess mm. in the air. They would just talk. They would say, you know, knight to queen five or whatever the fuck it is, and they would play chess, standing in front of each other back and forth. And one of the kids used to come there, this uh, young kid, I, I forget his name. Adam, I believe his name was. He was a chess champion, a young chess champion. And uh, his father used to take him to these chess tournaments and stuff like that. And he used to sit in the pool hall. He became addicted to pool, too. And he used to sit in the pool hall and play chess with this guy who was this older dude who had been to, to jail. 
And he had learned how to play chess in the air, too. So they would just sit there staring at each other, and the kid would just checkmate them left and right out of the air. Wow. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so weird to think that some... It's like they were speaking a language I totally didn't understand. Yeah. Like, I know that you, you know, I know that you move the rook like this, and I know you move the knight like that. I know, I know that, but... Yeah. When they're rattling off those numbers and I'm trying to piece together the grid and I'm, you know, I had no information in front of me. So I was yeah. like, okay, how many pieces are there on a fucking yeah, chess? It's like many... playing Battleship without a boy. I mean, it's a much simpler level. Yeah. So impressive. Oh, I'm so yeah. impressed by people who are good at chess. Yeah. And it, it transfers. It transfers well. Like the uh, the, 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 the strategic thinking. thinking. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, the, uh, you know, don't go for a submission or what is it? Position before submission. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like... Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, there are different styles of chess, but definitely thinking strategically so that you you dominate certain positions, certain certain directions, and so forth. I mean, it's I think it's very analogous to jujitsu. I'm scared of it. I'm scared of chess like I'm scared of golf. Yeah. I I'm scared of anything that I think that I might get addicted to. And I, I like I used to listen to Howard Stern talk about chess all the time. He became a chess nut for a while. Yeah. And he was taking lessons and shit. I was like, that is what I don't need in my life. I don't need to be <laughs> online playing fucking chess ten hours yeah. a day because yeah. that shit could happen. Yeah. Well, I, that's that's why you know people. Uh, I, I don't watch much TV, and they're like, oh, you one of these guys who's like, oh, I don't watch TV. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. People are like, oh, you should watch Lost. It's the best thing I've ever seen. Or you should watch The Wire. It's the best thing I've ever seen. I'm like, look, the reason I won't watch it is because I think. It It'll be the best thing I've ever seen. And then I have to sit in a fucking cave and watch like 20 weeks of this. And then that's going to lead me to whatever, you know, six feet under. And it's mm. like, I can't afford to have that happen. Right. I used to play D&D. I know I can go off the off the rails. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, D&D is the number one thing for going off the rails, oh right? Oh, EverQuest was another one. Yeah. What's an like, off the rails? Or, yeah, I mean, any, it's like... <clears throat> How about where we were last night? I didn't even tell you. Ari and I went to dinner last night at Denny's after we did the Ice House. So we're going to start doing the Ice House in Pasadena all the time now, folks. That fucking place is awesome. And we're also going to do a podcast from the Ice House that we're going to call An Evening at the Ice House. And what it's going to be is just we're going to set up microphones and a table, and we're just going to have the comics shoot the shit before they go on stage and then come off stage and, yeah. and shoot the shit again. Like, oh, this fucking crowd's awesome, or this, this drunk bitch in the front won't shut the fuck up, and we're going to ha- sit down and do this um so uh, what was my point what was i talking about uh video games or something mm-hmm. happened you went to denny's with our oh we went to denny's that's right sorry so after the show we went to denny's and they're all playing magic the gathering oh yeah. this is back at, that's old white, school this is how white pasadena is okay mm-hmm. there's a, a, a giant table of dorks and they seem very nice i'm sorry if i call you dorks if you're a dorks. podcast fan <laughs> but they're they're sitting down there and they all have their things there. they're like well this spell has to bring this is the bottom of the barrel spell this brings you back to the and i'm sitting there watching these guys and they are in their own world we're staring at them and i'm like the moment they look up and realize I'm staring, I'm going to feel like an asshole. They never looked up. They never looked up. They just looked at each other and they were absorbed in their their darkish fucking Magic the Gathering game. Stacks of cards on their table and dice and they were just, you know, eating moons over my hammy (laughs) at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Friday night. Does it sound fun? Would you Fuck be into yeah. that? Oh, Magic yeah. the Gathering? All that it's, it's, a, it's very immersive. I mean, I remember playing... Magic the Gathering? Well, no, no, no. Not Magic for me. I, I, I came before. Or... I was advanced yeah. D&D, and I was all about gray elves and a number of other things. <laughs> I felt like... I was, very, I was a racist. I was like... I was all about the, the, the gray elf race. But I remember <laughs> at one point, this friend of mine, because I built up this pretty fucking badass character, and this buddy of mine was playing with me, and then we had the Dungeon Master, right? Who's kind of like the referee. And uh, my buddy took it really seriously, but he's just being a dick. He was like bitching and whining. He's been doing it all day. And about so, Dungeons and no, Dragons? No, 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 about all sorts of other stuff. Okay. And, and he kept on bitching as we were playing. 
And so I, we're supposed to be going on this module together. We're supposed to be like going through this labyrinth together. And at one point, it's my turn. And I say, okay, I'm going to take my fucking like mithril dagger and stab Nick right in the face. And Nick's like, what? 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 And so I rolled and I just killed this character. I was so pissed. And he flipped and stabbed me in the thigh with a pencil. Uh, what? Yeah, he went absolutely homicidal. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Where's that guy today? He's actually really successful in New York City. So yeah, I don't know what moral to take. This Sunday. <laughs> yeah, is his name Duncan Trussell? Yeah, he's know, he's really successful, even yeah. though he stabbed you with a fucking pencil in the thigh. That hurt. We were sitting right next to each other. Imagine how just old like, was he at the time? He was probably yeah, I'd say twelve or thirteen. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say twenty. Duncan no, did it no, to no, me when no, he was thirty-two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in his defense, you wouldn't stop fucking with him. You were sitting behind him, poking him right. while he was in. I was touching. No, 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 no. We're not gonna talk about this. No, no, no. We're not gonna talk about this. And this is a ridiculous I'm, one. You why wouldn't would you stop go to violence, with him though? And he stabbed you with a pen because he, he had to get you to stop fucking with him. Yeah, but violence. You were sitting in that's, front. That's of, messed up. You're sitting behind him, poking him while he's trying to sleep, and he fucking stabbed he you. And then her. whatever he was, you didn't want you. You don't know the story. You're making I know the story. I know the story. I know what happened. I know he stabbed you in the hand because you're an annoying cunt. That's what was going on. Okay. You were annoying him, and you wouldn't stop, so he stabbed you in the hand I, with a pen. I just find it weird that people take it to the next level. Did you say hand or head? Hand. Hand. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. That would have been headshot. Yeah. People shouldn't take it to the next level. But also, people should stop fucking with people when they say, stop fucking with me. <laughs> Brian, come on. I know you didn't expect that. I know you didn't expect that. But I didn't want to talk about it. Now here we are. God damn it. Yeah, dudes can get wrapped up in any kind of game, man. I've seen violence after pool games. I've seen violence after basketball games. You know, competitive people get... Apparently, yeah. like Michael Jordan, if you beat him at fucking anything, beat him at checkers, he won't talk to you for like a month. Yeah. You know? There's uh, there's one guy who shall remain nameless. He's, in, uh, he's a venture capitalist in, in uh, Silicon Valley. Very famous guy. Likes to play chess. And Kevin Rose? He's, no, no, not Kevin. But he's famous. He's a very good chess player, but if someone beats him, he swipes all the pieces off the board. And at one point, someone's like, Whoa. you're a really bad loser. And he goes, show me a bad loser, and I'll show you a fucking loser. <laughs> That's his line. But yeah, it does wow. not lose. You mean well. show you a good loser? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Loser. yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me a good loser, and I'll show you a fucking loser. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, but, I uh, guess. But you don't but have to. You be don't like have that. to be like that's that. That's just. I mean, for a, every yeah. yeah, for every uh, stereotype that you have uh, in a given industry, like for example, a lot of people think that in order to be a good chef, you have to be a fucking asshole. Like you have to be willing to fucking curse at people and make them cry in the kitchen. And that's, I think, a dominant trait, but you can always find exceptions. You can always find people who are like, all right, I came from a freaking abused family in the last restaurant that I was brought up in, and I'm not going to have that in my restaurant. And they make it work. You're like, you don't have to do that. There's a funny episode of one of those kitchen shows where Gordon Ramsay was yelling at this guy, calling him an idiot, and the guy just goes, I ain't no bitch. Don't talk to me. I ain't no bitch. And he throws his thing down, and he got right in Gordon Ramsay's face. And he's like, yeah, I thought so. What the fuck? What are you talking about? You crazy? And then Gordon Ramsay was like, you're being ridiculous. Like, oh, I'm being ridiculous? Don't talk to me like that, stupid. And then they separated him and pulled the guy away. But it's true. Gordon Ramsay's acting like this guy's an idiot. He's going to kick his ass. He's threatening him. He's yelling at him. And the guy's like, fuck you, stupid. You know? <laughs> fuck you and your fucking ridiculous way of communicating. How about I trump you? Yeah, you want to go yeah. chimp? I'll go chimp back. Yeah, How about exactly. that? Oh, you weren't set up for a reply. Yeah. You just set up to be a shithead. I think those shows are gross. Yeah. When I hear those guys yelling at people, I'm praying someone punches them. That's what people are supposed to do. Yeah. When you act completely out of line like that and like act like a shithead people are supposed to hit you yeah most people have never been hit no no properly and so when they think they're going to they fucking panic 
Yeah. They lock up. Like all of a sudden, this posturing, all this screeching they've been doing is ineffective, and it's come down to crunch time. There's a line in the sand. Will they cross it? Yeah. Lord of the flies, man. I'm a fleazy, and people ask me what I am. I'm like, I'm a fleazy. <laughs> I think people behave as well as their circumstances allow them to. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed that society keeps it together as well as it does. The electricity is almost always on. Yeah. Everything runs smoothly. Food arrives in time. But God damn it, if it didn't, things would go ugly so quick. Yeah. There's a, I saw a sign on the way over here that said, uh, I think it said CERT training, C-E-R-T, which mm-hmm. is the disaster response training. And there's one in Northern California called NERT. So it's the Northern California Emergency Response Training. And if you do that, they, they prepare you for the most likely type of disaster scenario in your area. And in San Francisco, of course, it's, uh, among other things, earthquake. And I remember doing – this was done by the fire department and uh, police department. And they said, all right, how many people live in San Francisco? All right, 800,000, 900,000 in the city. Like greater San Francisco, whatever it is, 7 million, 4 million. I said, all right, how many fire trucks do you think we have? And uh, people are like, 50, 100. 120. And they're like, we have 12 fire trucks or something like that. It was so small. So they said, if we get hit by a seven point whatever Richter scale earthquake, what do you think the response time is going to be? Like, no one is coming to save you. So you could be without water for seven, 10 days in these following scenarios. And it's like, for the first day or two, people are going to behave. And then people are going to get their knives and their guns and take your water. It's true. So, <laughs> yeah, it's true. And this is in their the, children are starving. Yeah, oh, yeah. And this is, you know, they're giving this type of, and they're like, so just to get that out of the way. And now we can move on to actually what to do. But when you get the disaster uh, recovery or assistance certification, you get hard hat, uh, one of those yellow emergency vests. You get a special badge. So hypothetically, if you were to want to evacuate during this type of emergency, if you have all of that gear and let's say a motorcycle so you can get through traffic, you're actually very well prepared. So that was, uh, I'm friends with Neil Strauss, who's down here, who wrote the game uh, Emergency. Emergency was about a lot of this, but the more I look at the realities of how people behave in in situations where there are scarce resources, especially water, the more I think that stuff is not entirely crazy, you know, to have six months of canned food. I just don't, I, I think it's cheap insurance. Now you can go off, you can go off the deep end and start doing crazy, crazy stuff, but get those pallets get, of freeze dried astronaut meals oh yeah. delivered to your house. Or you or guys, with, years. Oh, guys with generators and then they have, underground, uh, let's see, what is it? Electromagnetic pulse, EMP. Electromagnetic pulse proof boxes to hold the backup chips. Because uh, there are quite a few people who think that one of the more likely attacks, if someone wanted to really uh, wipe out a lot of uh, functioning in the U.S., is to attack computer systems. So they would drop, let's say, an electromagnetic pulse bomb in one of the Great Lakes and take out, like, you know, Chicago or whatever. Whoa, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold up. Yeah. What the fuck is electromagnetic pulse bomb? So I, th- I think I'm getting this right, and Google would, would tell us quickly, but Let's find that. it's That's... it's something that does not, it doesn't kill humans. It's like magnets it, and it fries it will It will fry all the computers, all right. the generators, everything else. Why throw it in the Great Lakes? Why not just drop it on Chicago? Uh, because I think it, uh, what the hell was the rationale? That would just be easier to do if you're on top of water. So you could actually, you wouldn't even necessarily have to, you know, drop it. You could just send it out in a boat. The uh, only thing that has something on it is above top secret. That's like the top one always <laughs> makes it go, hmm, <laughs> hmm. that's the yeah. number one. And then this how stuff works 
videos. There we go. Um, so I guess oh, nice. It's so there's a how-to video on how to build yeah, an electromagnetic nice. pulse bomb. Nor- it's something <laughs> Always love the internet for build that. your own. Yeah. Apparently, North Korea has this. Oh, nice. Test missiles for electromagnetic pulse weapon. Jesus yeah, there you Christ, go. these yeah. motherfuckers. So the, the reason I know a lot about this stuff is you meet you know, these eccentric, uh, not in a bad way, but eccentric, very brilliant uh, very wealthy people and like they have a contingency for the contingency for the contingency and this is something that's come up again and again and again um, I can't take it that far for a host of reasons including financial but I'm like alright like maybe having some basic defense and food and water in place maybe not a bad idea if I'm going to live in San Francisco and, on the ring yeah, of fire this is crazy. just get the extended warranty too <laughs> this right. bomb is crazy listen to this shit the field of modern warfare has never ceased to amaze me and amongst more interesting weapons that I've read about had to be the EMP bomb, which disables all forms of electronics within the vicinity. South Korea has just developed an advanced electromagnetic pulse device, which is capable of being deployed on the battlefield in order to make short work of enemy computers, according to the defense official. Wow. So they really can do it. They've developed it. That's insane. Yeah, very much so. Wild stuff, man. It's a wild world we live in. And uh, I've gone from thinking that all of that was just conspiracy theory or people with too much time on their hands to realizing that you know for a couple hundred bucks you can actually buy yourself a lot of insurance against worst case scenario so like i think do you like living in san francisco because that's a tricky town if you want to talk about disasters yeah yeah that fucker burns when when they have earthquakes it burns every house is connected yeah it's it's i'm i've positioned myself close i'm actually very close to one of the main freeways and uh also very close to a large park but it is a tricky, a tricky city, uh, given the, the how things are architected, and also just the geography of the city itself. It's pretty hard to get out of. So if you want, if you have to get to, let's say, a private airport or an airstrip or something to get out of, let's say, California, you have to plan ahead for that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, the but for me, I mean, San Francisco. I've lived all over the place, and you know, I've been to so many countries, thirty-five or so countries. Never thought I would land somewhere and say, this is where I'm going to live. I always thought it was six months, six to 12 months, I get bored, then I move on. What and made you stay in San Francisco? The and cock, besides the cock. <laughs> Mitchell Brothers. Yeah, right. Easy access. Uh, <laughs> little Orphan Andes. Weed. No. Uh, yeah, so... The, Strong I, weed. I would say... Sharks. V- sharks. I, I went to the Farallon Islands once. That's a fucking creepy story. I saw a kill. I saw a, like a 400-pound seal get hit on the water, on the Whoa. surface. Yeah, that was trippy. Before By a great white? Yeah, before getting into a cage. A lot of great whites out there, man. Yeah, that ocean between Alcatraz and San uh, Francisco? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's sharky. Uh, but the yeah, San Francisco, it would be immediate access to beautiful nature everywhere. Uh, the startup scene, just the creative vibe there is it's a awesome. very intelligent yeah. city. Yeah, I recorded one yeah. of my CDs there yeah. and uh, Shiny Happy Jihad. I think it's my, yeah. you know. That's this one, right? Huh? Yeah, the cover? I'm yeah, about yeah. to blow up yeah, the thing. Yeah. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite cities of all time. It's, it's such a bright city. They seem so more in tune and open-minded just on yeah. average. You know, I always said that a boulder is like a frozen San Francisco, a little yeah. bit something. Yeah, yeah, oh, very lines. similar, very similar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's also and Austin is sort of like Austin's a, very similar. A Texas, too. San Francisco, yeah, super similar. Yeah, Austin has its own vibe, though. Yeah, they have they have more barbecue, and more music. Yeah. San Francisco has the food, though. Yeah. That's another reason I really love San Francisco. Is yeah. I, the last stat I heard was something like. So you have eight hundred thousand people in San Francisco. I think there are four thousand uh, restaurants. That's insane. Yeah. 
It's you live nuts. in the city? I live in the city, but sort of down in the near the mission. So I thought about living in Northern California, like a little further away, maybe even um, in uh, what, Carmel. Where Carmel is beautiful. Like Check right out Marin. Ocean. Marin County is gorgeous. Yeah. Right over the Golden Gate, it's beautiful. Like Mill Valley. Where is it, where is it where is it nice, but with less people? Uh, up in Marin. Marin County, and, and, and you're close to San Francisco. It's 15 minutes away, and uh, I mean, mountain biking was created in Marin. It's beautiful. You have Mount Tam. It's if I were to like when I get married and have kids, uh, or have kids, I'm not sure about the married part. Then I can see Marin very clearly being uh, an awesome choice. I really? Love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, you have surfing. You have everything. It's gorgeous. And you're close to Tahoe. You're close to Napa. You're close to uh, Yosemite. It's it's a it's a great location. It's amazing how some parts of the country actually geographically become awesome spots. You know. Yeah. It's like, and it's not just a weather thing. It's just like some, some places are great spots, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, w- w- you know, the, the factors that come into to making a Boston or a Seattle or as opposed to a Paducah, Kentucky or, you know, Wilmington, right. Delaware or something, you know? Yeah. It's interesting how some spots are just like way better places to live, man. Yeah. yeah. San Francisco, for, as far as creativity and mind and thinking and people, it's a yeah. great spot. Yeah. It's yeah, a great, it's, like... It's, spot to find interesting thinkers yeah, it is and what i really like about it is and it's not true for everybody of course but there's very much a don't judge a book by its cover vibe ethos there. because you just you don't know who the college kid is who's unemployed or the billionaire they could both be wearing the same thing you have no idea and i remember uh, at one point i went into best buy i remember to buy my first like real tv Still have it. This is, I don't know, like 10 years ago. Sony Wega. I love it. Anyway, went in, and the sales guy was great. He's like, come back in a couple of days. This other manager is a terrible negotiator. Get a better price. I was like, fantastic. I love you already. I'm going to buy a lot of stuff from you. But he told me a story. He said, a lot of my, uh, he's African-American and, and lived in East Palo Alto. He said, a lot of my coworkers, they want to go for the guy in the suit. And he's like, I always want to go for like the slightly scraggly early 40s white dude in like the torn jeans and flip-flops and he did that at one point they're like take that guy we don't want him and so he took this guy ended up being the founder of ikea and he's like yeah i'll get 10 of those flat screens i'll get 15 of those and he was buying shit for the ikea that just opened next door and uh so this guy just you know made his quota for the next decade that's hilarious pretty awesome do you still have the sony wega because it weighs five thousand pounds it's really yeah i can't (laughs) i can't i can't move the thing like i have to work on my deadlift it's a big well it's certainly not a flat screen i mean it's a uh, flat front but flat front and then it's just uh like cathode ray tube the thing is it's like a refrigerator i I kept a hold of mine probably like three years longer than i wanted to just because every time i tried to move it, i'm like yeah i'm not gonna i'll just keep that here yeah so heavy I remember watching high def uh, Animal Planet Fish. That was the like I, I brought it home, I turned it on, and I landed on that, and I was just like, I cannot fucking believe how worth it was. How Most, worth it was to get HD for yeah. the underwater stuff. Just blew my brain. Yeah. Did you ever watch that Earth series? Yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> Planet Earth. Oh man, fucking. What about the breaching with the Great Whites oh, uh, yeah. in South Africa? Oh my lord. Great whites scare the fuck out of me, man. Yeah, They've yeah. been spotting them out here at Malibu, too, really recently. <sighs> They've spotted them uh, from helicopters and people flying over. They see, they look down, they see just big 18, 20-foot oh, sharks. Oh, yeah, that's no joke. I was in, I was in <laughs> South Africa. Check this out. I'm, I, so I love sharks. I want to be a marine biologist uh, for a long time. Why don't time. you marry them? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I find a hot enough great white. <laughs> uh, 
But we went, my brother and I went to this place called Fish Hook, H-O-E-K, and my brother wanted to surf, and so we landed there. It was really choppy. The traffic was terrible. We got there close to 5 o'clock. The guy's like, guys, we're about to shut up shop, but if you really want to go out there, it's pretty shitty conditions, but I'll give you a board and give you a discount. And I was like, eh, Tom, I don't want to surf for 20 minutes. He really wanted to. We argued and then eventually just went for a cup of coffee. About uh, 20 minutes later, a guy down the beach got bitten in half in neck-deep water by a 16-foot great white shark. Uh What's even crazier is one of my uh, readers was the first guy to, he tweeted it out. He basically said, holy fucking shit, just saw a guy get bitten in half by a great white shark. So you look down at your Twitter, you see that, and you realize that could have been you easily. It could have been me easily. And found out later that the shark spotters at that beach, they have guys with binoculars, they had spotted eight great whites at that beach. Wow. And oh, and then people just go right back out. They're like, okay, clear, great, and they go back out to surf. And the I took. The fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> I know. Well, that's How good. Is surfing? Is it that good? It is good, but f- as far as I'm concerned, not that good. I mean, in the sense that it's it's world class surfing, but is world is surfing in any respect worth? Snowboarding better. Yeah. And it's uh, a great whites is only cold water, though, right? Isn't Uh, there some places you can go? They're they're usually in temperate or colder waters. Like in Brazil, they surf a lot, but they don't have to worry about sharks, right? Well, it depends on where you are. There's a place called Recife in uh, Brazil where I went to visit at one point, and they have signs there that are fantastic. But they used to have. Uh, meat canning, uh, not meat canning, what was it? Yeah, like canneries right at this one delta where it opens up into the ocean. And so these bull sharks, these like entire communities of bull sharks have, oh. have developed there, and they're very aggressive sharks. And the signs on the beach, if you see them in the U.S., usually it's like, warning, sharks, sharks have been spotted at this area. Use caution and talk to your lifeguard, whatever. And the signs in Brazil were like, don't go in the water, you'll get fucking attacked, basically. <laughs> and, and people still surf there. And it's like, guy with one arm still surfing. And he's like, well, we're in their backyard. I'm like, yeah, maybe you should pick a different sport. We're yeah. in their backyard. Croquet. Yeah. It's a, it, sharks, to me, have always been one of those things where if they didn't exist and yeah. you had them in a movie, everybody would be fucking horrified of these things. Yeah. But because of the fact that they're real, yeah. just like Komodo dragons or crocodiles or killer yeah. whales, we just sleep on these things. We don't yeah. realize how incredibly fascinating and horrifying they really are. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I was telling you that fucking lion attack video. Oh, yeah. Creep the shit out of me because I just, I think to myself, <laughs> somebody was asking me at one point, they're like, you think you could kill this animal or that animal? I'm like, no. Like, a badger? That thing would fuck me up. I'm not going to kill a badger. Are you crazy? Like, do I, I don't have Claws, like what do you think I'm gonna do? Let's have a weapon. Like I, I mean, I'd I, kick the fuck out of a badger. I'll tell you that right now. You, you give me it, some steel steel toed boots <laughs> and a strong Kevlar <laughs> pair of pants, I'll fuck a badger up. I'll stomp that little bitch. Well, dude, if you have chainmail, you, you can go after a lot of things. Yeah, if I had a good baseball bat and a steel tip boot, I'll fuck up a badger. What about really Komodo dragon? Would you take a Komodo dragon on? No, no you're fucked. You're doomed. Yeah, There's nothing you can do. They're if they're close enough to bite you, that's your ass. They're so fast. They they're catch, so fast they and they have catch, botulism and they're yeah. fucking saliva. They catch deer. They're yeah. so fast. It's hard, it's hard to believe. Deer, and when they bite things, all they do is bite them and then follow them. They yeah. wait for the, the poison in their saliva yeah. to eventually just toxify their whole body. Their body just... It's just it's like they, there's their own... Sal- just the, the nasty bacteria in their mouth. Mouth, just fucks animals. As soon as they bite him, they, they like take a water buffalo, they bite him, and then they follow him for 24 hours. Ugh. And then slowly he just buckles, and then they just eat his asshole while he's alive. Just dig in and pull chunks of him out. Yeah. Komodo dragons are terrifying. Where do they live? Komodo Islands. Yeah. Only one island. I Indonesia, I think. Yeah. 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 There's a, it's a nutty animal, man. You know what's. Uh, Did you see that crocodile they just caught? 
in the Philippines? Yeah, I did. Holy shit. And they're like, this is going to be the star yeah. of our new zoo because it's this like impoverished Filipino village. Fuck. Yeah, it's enormous. They set up a bunch of traps for this thing and it broke all their traps and it killed a fisherman, a local fisherman. The thing is 21 feet long. God Nuts. damn it. Yeah. How crazy are that, that these things? If crocodiles, perfect example. If they weren't real, yeah. and then you know, and there was stories of this thing that you know it can hold its breath for hours and it's it a eats dinosaur. water buffalo, and yeah. you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. That can thing's you not real. Twenty-one feet. How big that is? Just look in this room. Yeah, that's yeah. like from yeah. that side. To, that's insane. It's bigger than this room. Yeah. 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 It's bigger than it's and, tail, it, and it's not. The, yeah. And it's not like a slender animal. Oh, I mean, the back enormous. is like this. Yeah. It's like up to navel height. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And they had all wrapped this fucking thing up. All these little Lilliputians <laughs> took this Gulliver travel fucking animal down and tied it up in ropes and they were parading it around the town. It's crazy to see, man. It is fucking monstrous. Yeah, have you ever seen Hogzilla? Yes. Mm. yes. Holy shit. Have you ever seen it, Brian? Uh, sounds familiar, but I don't know. Well, it. in Georgia, in a lot of it's parts like the of the size South, of a Volkswagen Beetle. It's fucking yeah. huge. It's a pig. It's a super. Well, it's it's a cross between a wild boar and a, a, a feral hog. Yeah. And pigs. A lot of people don't realize this, but pigs are one of the strangest animals known to be in in captivity because when they get out, they have a physiological change when they go into the wild. As soon as you're not feeding them anymore, they change their appearance. Appearance. Their tusks grow, their snout elongates, and their hair gets shaggy and thick. And it starts happening three weeks really? after they come free. Yeah. Wow, it's like a it's werewolf. Nuts. It is like a werewolf. When you have that pig that's in your sty and he's got white hair and he's all cute and pink and he comes over and nuzzles against you and you can pat him on the head and he's nice piggy piggy. When that pig goes out into the woods, his nose stretches out, his hair gets furry, and his fangs grow. That's fucking terrible. And he could be a grown pig. Yeah. He could be wow. a fully grown own pig but once he gets out into the wild there's a physiological change when they become feral it's very interesting wow, the domesticated wild. versions are they they have a change of, 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 of their actual appearance their, their yeah. biology changes it's pretty trippy man you know that uh this random side note but uh have you seen hey, yeah i'm putting it up right now have you, you right we didn't explain what it is it's yeah a, it's there's a killed it. yeah it's an amazing shot the have you ever read born to run no uh, really good book but it talks about of the evolution of mankind, and there are a lot of theories, but they, they, one of the theories is that part of the reason we evolved and were able to kill animals that provided more protein, which led to a larger brain, etc., is that's not even the big one. There's a bigger one than that. Right. Is There's one with a guy standing with a rifle. Over is that side. we could run uh, on two legs while keeping our heads steady, and it's because of uh, this, like I think it's a nuchal ligament at the base of the skull, which is unique to humans. And if you look at a pig, for example, when it runs, its head bobs all over the place like a bobblehead. And, and that, that, you know, hominids or homo sapiens developed that nuchal ligament that allowed them to like endurance run after animals and kill and secure more protein. Wow. Yeah, pretty wild stuff. Born to Run is a great book. Highly recommend it. It's fascinating to me when they try to go back in time. Like, they recently found some uh, proto-hominid skeletons that were one point. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the whole uh, origin of the species into question. It's fascinating to me when they just go back in time and discover these things. Like, yeah. how about those little hobbit people that they've recently found like, yeah. that existed as recently as, like, 15, 20,000 years ago? There's little yeah. tiny three-foot-tall hobbit-like people. I love this stuff. I love yeah. when they don't know 
and then all of a sudden some new thing comes up and they go, oh, whoa, they're, they guess they were using tools a million years ago. Yeah. Like, fuck. You know, yeah. like that, oh, I guess they were domesticating livestock. Here's the thing they figured out recently in Saudi Arabia. They've found clear evidence of the domestication of horses 6,000 years earlier than they previously thought people were doing it. Wow. So now they're like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. you know, and they, you've heard of this Gobekli Tepe. Have you heard of this? No. Well, it's... Is this a site? It's a site in Turkey. Oh, I have heard of this. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't know the details, but Amazing I recognize it. Amazing archaeological discovery. These 15, 20-foot high pillars of, 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 uh, of stone that's been carved, along with animals that aren't even living on this continent. So they're like, what the fuck, man? These animals aren't even from here, How man. the hell did these why, get Yeah, here? why are these on these things? What, what is this 12,000-year-old complex structure that we yeah. find? And they're still unearthing it. They discovered it in the 90s, and they've been slow, like a farmer, like, stumbled upon this thing and then started digging. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then they realized it's a giant stone pillar, and this whole community had been on purpose. Someone had buried it. Wow. You know, it's almost like they made a little time capsule. Yeah. They covered it. They're pretty positive that it was a, a, a man-made act of, of covering it and that they, someone covered it thousands and thousands of years ago and they just luckily stumbled upon it. It's so wild. It's amazing. Yeah. The, the stuff that blows my mind, too, is thinking of the actual mechanics, like the mechanical engineering that someone would have to use to put up these pillars Ugh. or like Stonehenge. Yeah. Or things like that. It's like, how the fuck? Well, even what? how about Stonehenge? We don't understand who made Stonehenge, but we know who made, you know, Egypt. Yeah. We know these are these are the people. This is their writing. Who, yeah. How did they get that obelisk up there? Yeah. What yeah. the fuck, man? Yeah. We know those people did it. It's yeah. written. It has all their language yeah. from the top to the bottom. Yeah. It's all written in their hieroglyphs. So what the fuck, man? How yeah. did you do that? Yeah. It's that wild. Things enormous. Some of those perfectly cut obelisks. Those are almost as fascinating to me as the pyramid. Because the pyramid, yeah, the Stones are all big, but I, you know, did you push them in place? It's all a matter of how did you play. If it was just yeah. one stone, yeah. I'd be like, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. So you moved one stone. It's the fact that you moved two million three hundred thousand of them makes yeah. me that makes me think that's yeah. amazing. But the obelisks, yeah. just one, yeah. just one of them. You're like, what the fuck? How did you do that? Yeah. How yeah. the fuck did you make that giant yeah. stone thing with all the carving, fifty fucking feet tall, oh, made yeah. out of one piece of stone? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Some of those amazing structures of pharaohs that are like 20, 30 feet high, and you're looking at them, you're like, who the, what the fuck? 5,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago they were doing this? Yeah. The ones that blew my mind, too, are the aqueducts that were made in Roman times that still work. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> It's nuts. Human ingenuity, man. Do you subscribe to the idea, and this is a recurring subject on this podcast, that humanity has gone through cycles of, of like really uh, high levels of understanding and knowledge and then cataclysmic disaster or human-based disaster? Oh, for or, sure. You think so? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think if you look at the Roman Empire and you look at the, the growth and uh, decline of the U.S. Empire, it's parallel after parallel after parallel distributing um, uh, military is one of the first symptoms of like preceding the decline. Uh, I think point for point, you can look at these these meteoric rises and then catastrophic uh, falls. But it's just like a pulse. It's yeah. like a breathing in and breathing yeah. out. It's just a, a complicated cycle, and it's yeah. almost inevitable. Yeah, I, th I mean, I, I, I've. But is it always because so, yeah. of, of, you know, obviously right, right now in the stage we're at with, you know, we talk about military, talk about depletion of the resources, d d polluting the planet. This is almost all active things that we can control. But what about 
giant things that happen, shifting of the polar ice caps, asteroid impact, things along those lines that very likely have had, we believe at least, I think they think five mass extinctions yeah. in the history of, of the planet. And who knows how many little baby ones along the way, like yeah. that one that you drive to Nevada and you see that mile wide crater. Right. That's like nothing. Yeah. Oh, it's only a mile. You know, it's probably only like 15 feet long. But meanwhile, Everything from miles around near that thing was dead instantly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, how many of those hit all yeah. over the place that we we're just not aware of because it was ten thousand years ago and now it's covered in jungle wherever the impact was. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, if we're having trouble you know, tracking the the evolution of our own species, like yeah, you know, the amount of I think the limits of our of our knowledge of this planet are, are so incredibly vast. You know, to think that I, I think. There are also very natural cycles. If you look at just population growth, for example, you look at elderly economies and how that affects their rise and decline. Japan, uh, negative growth rates, places like in certain countries in Europe, uh, you can just predict this stuff like you know, 10, 20 years out. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think that things grow and then they die. That's just the cycle. And you can apply that to people. You could apply it to just about any life form, but you can also apply it to uh, companies. You can apply it to countries. If you had to extrapolate, okay, the, what we know now is that we had a bunch of disenfranchised Europeans and various people from all over the world. They found this spot that just 10,000 years ago had been covered with a mile-high sheet of ice. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the climate shifts. All of a sudden, North America becomes viable property. Everybody moves here. We establish this new sort of a civilization. The, the, yeah. What we believe is the most advanced or the percolating at the highest levels, you know, when it comes to... Uh, military and money and economy and you know and creativity this one pile called the United States if you had to extrapolate and look at the trends and look at what's next what do you think could be next what's next because I mean this is a place that was created just a few lifetimes ago really oh, yeah. the 1700s in the, in the course of human history it's a very small amount of time in the course of the history of the world it's merely a blink of an eye it's nothing but in that time this new type of civilization supposedly new type of really bullshit yeah. at the yeah. end I mean it becomes just as corrupt as all the other ones before sure. but the idea of it this was the first you know, this was the first in history like this you know the people like fuck where you're at get in a boat come on over here right. we got a new spot and we're, we're just gonna get away from those dudes bags and we're going to try our own thing out is it possible that that could happen again is it possible that you know some other spot opens up and people decide to do this one more time i mean i can't imagine it yeah but i do imagine it sometimes when when bush won the second term in 2004 yeah. i fucking seriously thought about moving to canada oh, yeah. i really did i was like this this place is going to get blown up this crazy yeah. assholes invading all these countries when on dubious evidence and it turns yeah. out they lied about a bunch of different shit and yeah. weapons of mass destruction from the moment they got in there was an idea to go over there and this was just what they could find to fit their agenda and they shove all the the facts and pseudo facts into one situation just so they can force this on people i was like we're gonna get blown up i don't want to get blown up i'm gonna yeah. fucking go to canada where nobody yeah. fucks with anybody yeah i think that a lot of people for example are concerned about china and india so it's sort of like china versus the u.s and that doesn't scare me i'm actually very uh, bearish on china but i think that what what is not obvious to most people is that at the highest levels of government private enterprise you have this military industrial industrial complex that spans across these countries, and uh, that's the stuff that really scares me. And having centralized food production, 
that scares me. What doesn't uh, scare me about China is China's not trying to conquer the world. They're trying yeah. to do business. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think they're doing some fucked up things to some of their towns as far as pollution. China has yeah. some of the, the oh, worst sure. standards of... of oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's horrible. Terrible, terrible. I've seen... There's a video online of one city in China that you live there, and it's like th smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. It's incredible. They had cameras. I believe it was one of those Vice Guide to TVs. I think it was a VBS.TV doc. And they went there, and they were filming the, the, the air. And you're looking up, and you're like, oh, my God, this is impossible. These people yeah. are breathing coal. Oh, They're yeah. just breathing in coal in the air. Yeah. But China's not trying to conquer the world. They're just trying to make money. You know, They're trying to... Uh, They'll be very well positioned if they do want to conquer the world. Because mm -hmm. what they've been doing... I mean, I, was, I lived in Argentina for a bit, and then I was uh, uh, in Africa... Uh, in Kenya for the first time, and they're buying, they're very smart about acquiring resources and pipelines for petroleum, and also buying uh, mines for productions of uh, production of things like copper. They've been absolutely brilliant. Uh, I mean, you go to a place like Argentina, which is, the, I think it's the eighth largest country in the world, and because of the range from tropics like Iguazu Falls in Brazil, which borders Argentina, all the way down to Antarctica, they're very rich natural resources. You go there, and in all the major cities, you have, like, the Chinese Trade Bureau. U.S. nowhere to be found. Then you go to Kenya, and you look around, like, everything being built, Chinese. And it's, uh, they've been very smart about it. And I think that that also, uh, maybe we're digressing a little bit, but that's okay, it's, is there is a benefit at times to very clear hierarchy and, uh, and having that top-down type of governance. I think that... Democracy does have uh, weaknesses, and one of them is oftentimes speed. So, mm, uh, in an accelerating world, I'm not saying democracy is a bad thing. I think it's one of the, you know one of the better systems we have, but it's very hard to compete with a with a single vision. Yeah, with a sort of unified, top-down capitalist dictatorship. I mean, like they want to change something, great. Like five guys snap their fingers and make it happen doesn't have to go through the House, doesn't then have to go through the Senate, doesn't have to sit around and have these lobbyists fuck with it and so forth and so on. And I think there are pros and cons, but they're certainly a lot faster. Yeah, the system that we have in place obviously is a fucking mess. I just don't know how anybody would ever replace it. And yeah. We had a guy here the other day, Pinchbeck, also believed that society is going to collapse 100%. He believes that. What does it look like when that happens? <laughs> That's what I said. First of all, I said, <laughs> how, do you, how can you say anything's going to happen 100%? That's yeah. one of the most silly things yeah. you could ever say. Yeah. Because how do you know that your fucking head's not going to explode right there while we're talking? You could have an aneurysm. <laughs> Nobody knows they're coming. You know, they right. just happen. How do you know that we're not going to get hit by a meteor? How do we know that a comet's not going to fucking push Earth off its axis yeah. too far from the sun? We all fucking freeze to death. Yeah. Like, shit like this happens in the solar system, you know? It happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. Planets hit other planets. Galaxies yeah. collide with other galaxies. How the fuck can you tell me society's 100% going to collapse? I mean, that seems just, that seems like really silly. Yeah. I don't think that's even close to the case. I don't think society has to collapse. I just think it's not going to stay this way. Yeah. I think that's pretty obvious. It's yeah. changing. It's moving. It's not going to stay this way. Yeah. Um, people are obviously fed up with the, the financial system that we have in place right now, but yeah. what are they doing about it? Yeah. What's, what's, what can be done? What's the it, substitution you know? they yeah. suggest? Yeah. I, it's... Have you? There's another book that uh, was recommended to me by a guy named Matt Mullenweg, who developed. Uh, he was one of the lead develop developers what of was, WordPress. Sorry, what was his name again? Matt Mullenweg. Matt he, Mullenweg. Yeah, a really smart guy, uh, and he introduced me to the Black Swan by Nassim Taleb, which is a, really about rare events and how poor humans are at at predicting or even planning for rare events. It's a great book, though. It's like a guide to critical thinking. It's awesome, but. Uh, 
sort of the analogy that he uses in that book is, you know, thanks, just because the Thanksgiving turkey hasn't been killed for 200 days doesn't mean it's not going to get killed. Whereas we always do this. Financial markets, relationships, whatever it might be, it'll be like, well, it hasn't happened so far, so it can't happen. I, tell, I call yeah. it the anthill effect. This is my, my okay. analogy. I say when you see an anthill sitting out in the field, that anthill might have been there for a year. Yeah. Those ants might have been patiently constructing this giant mound, and there's a million ants in there going to work every single day. And every day that they've been alive, that anthill's been there. But one day there's a little fat kid in the field, and he sees that anthill, and he stomps the fucking shit out of it, and not a single ant ever sees him coming. Yeah. And he's just sitting there hitting it with sticks. He pours gasoline on it. He lights it on fire. He shits on it. He pisses on it. And why? Because he could. Because he yeah. wanted to. And that. Yeah. Could have happened any day. That's the, just un- that's the universe. The universe is a yeah. fat kid stomping and shitting on your <laughs> anthill. <laughs> I mean, oh, I God. mean, really, right? yeah. that's what it is, right? It, it all could happen at any moment. Yellowstone right. is my number one freak out. You know, the super volcano. You not know where? Oh, no. Oh, son. The caldera volcano that is 300 kilometers wide. They, they Where even, is this? They, it's Yellowstone itself. It's in Yellowstone. They, they did National not Park. know that Yellowstone was a giant volcano, a super volcano. One of the ones that they, they call it an extinction event because <sighs> it'll kill almost everything on the continent every six to 800,000 years. Wow. The last time it happened was 600,000 years ago. Oops. So we literally do. And they have thousands of earthquakes in Yellowstone every year. Literally thousands. Thousands of earthquakes. And what Yellowstone is, is a gigantic super volcano. What a caldera volcano is, it's a volcano that builds up and when it explodes, it's so violent that it literally blows the top off and just becomes a flat crater. Wow. Like there's nothing just left. Just the entire volcano explodes. The whole thing shoots up into the fucking sky and everyone dies. Wow. It just it just fucks everything up. And they realize that this happens as like I said, every supposedly six to eight hundred thousand years is a major eruption yeah. that just fucking blows up yeah, and kills is, everything. This is about banking on retirement forty years, yeah. You know, it's not a good idea. So you just what, never know when Caldera is gonna fucking hit you. In closing, what advice would you give people if uh, you know what what is the, the best advice that you can give someone to to, to live a, a fun Fun and productive life. Uh, I'll actually do another recommendation. I would say you need to train yourself to recognize what's in your control, out of your control, and then not emotionally over-respond to things outside of your control. The best guide to that that I've ever found is Letters from a Stoic, written by Seneca. It's written 2,000 years ago. It's a series of letters, short letters, from Seneca, who's the most successful playwright, investment banker, advisor to the emperor, as well as uh, philosopher of his day. Uh, and it could just as easily apply today. So I would say that would be, it's a short book, that would be my recommendation. Well, my uh, favorite things are reading inspirational books and uh, blog entries and listening to books on taste by people who have done what you've done, spent a lot of time breaking things down, and there's so much insight that people can get from your books, from 4-Hour Work Week and the 4-Hour Body and the, the videos that you put online. I think you're doing an awesome thing, man, and, and anybody who does things along these lines, you're, you're putting out all this information and you're you're affecting the way people think and process information and and it's awesome man i think it's a great thing and uh thanks for being on man it was really cool really love talking to you i'd love to have you on again yeah my pleasure i'd love to come back and if anybody wants to follow tim on twitter it's t ferris t f e r r i s s two r's two s's and of course red band is red band and i'm joe rogan and uh, the upcoming dates that we got going on I'm going to be in um, New Orleans 
at September 16th. It's almost sold out. Denver, Colorado, on that's uh, September 16th. Denver, Colorado on the 23rd. That's almost sold out, too. That's at the Paramount Theater. That's a big place. And that's with Joey Diaz and Ari Shafir. And then we're going to do uh, Washington, D.C., the Warner Center on the 30th. That's almost sold out, too. And then Houston, Texas just went on sale, and that's October 7th. That's going to be at the Verizon Wireless Theater. And that's Brendan um, uh, Walsh. Walsh and uh, who else is going? Joey. Joey Diaz. Yes. Joey Diaz and Brendan Walsh are doing that one. And um, that's it, fuckers. Tomorrow night, uh, Anthony Bourdain, same time, 3 p.m. Should be a fun one. Thank you to everybody. Uh, thanks for, for coming by the Ice House this weekend. Like I said, we're going to do that all the fucking time there. And look for another new podcast that we do. All comedians, right before we go on stage, we're going to call it Live from the Ice House or an evening at the Ice House or something along those lines. Um, that's it, bitches. Thanks to the Fleshlight. Go to JoeRogan.net and click on the link for the Fleshlight. Enter in the code name Rogan and you will get 15% off the number one sex toy for men. And if you want to buy these alpha brain pills, the new uh, order comes in this week. We just had an order half a million new pills. Wow. And it's... Um, Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, and the stuff's called Alpha Brain. And it's, by the way, it's 100% money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, send it back in, you get your money back. It's no questions asked. So we want to make sure that everybody's happy with it. Go fuck yourself. This show's over. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. Thank you, Tim, for coming by. Yes. I had an awesome time. Yeah, thanks for Tim having me. Tim Ferriss, four-hour work week, the four-hour body. Go buy his books, ladies and gentlemen. And what is your website? Website is fourhourblog.com. F-O-U-R-H-O-U-R-B-L-O-G.com. Powerful. Thank you, everybody. We will see you tomorrow with Anthony Bourdain. Come on. Come on.